This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Coming up four minutes past four. Welcome along to the spike. Welcome along to Friday. Welcome along to you're going to freeze your little bits off. This weekend, it's going to be so, so cold. They've said minus 15, so I've been out and bought thermal knickers. I nearly bought a hat the other day. It's like a balaclava with just, I, it looks really freaky, so I decided not to wear that one. But I've got my thick thermal socks on today, so we're warm, we're toasty, we're warm, and, uh, and we've got a great programme between now and 6.30. Including, uh, forget carrots, greens apparently now make your eyesight better. We say farewell to Alan Rickman. Another one who kept it very quiet and the Hatton Garden gang go, Dan, you've gone down, mate. You've been mugged off, you have. Yes, off they go to prison. They'll probably end up dying in there. They've tried to paint them as uh, a sort of lovable rogues and all the rest of it, but they're, they're well past their sell-by dates. Few of them were on benefits, so uh, the benefit they'll now be having in prison is meeting other men like-minded. And no doubt, in the dim and distant future, they'll make a film about them. And the question will be, where's the remaining money gone, eh? Where's it vanished to? It could either be 10 million or 20 million depending on how much you think they actually got in the first place, is because they don't really know what was in all the boxes. They're not really sure how much they've got. And there was a... Wasn't there a Clint Eastwood film some years ago called Escape from Alcatraz? And it was one of two people who'd escaped from Alcatraz. And the end line on the film was put up there saying, if you are so-and-so, so-and-so, and you're watching this film... You have the uh, the knowledge of knowing you're the only person to have escaped from Alcatraz. And in this one, these old men, these old, they all had names. They all had, I love the way they all had names. It, it does it does make you smile. They've got Carl the bike, Billy the fish, the plumber, Perky the sleeper, Madcap jogger, and the master. Anyway, all in prison. So uh, that's not so good, is it? Really? Uh, they say here. That, uh, I mean, they, when you watch the programme on the telly last night, which I was watching and my friend Ian was watching at the same time, and texted me to say, I'm watching this, I said, I'm watching the same programme. You suddenly realise that they'd been watched all the way through. The Flying Squad had got them on CCTV, transferring things. They were caught in pubs, bragging, but they got let down, didn't they? Because uh, somebody dobbed them in. Somebody dobbed them in and so off to prison they go. They seem fairly sort of, you know, resigned with the fact you know, so Terry Perkins, John Collins, Brian Reader were caught on camera in a pub blagging about the heist a month later. Always a bit stupid, I always think. You know, if you've done a... There's no such thing as the perfect crime, the perfect robbery. And the reason there isn't the perfect crime is because if there was, you'd never hear about it. Unfortunately, they were caught fairly quickly. You know, I mean, the film title could be Bad Grandpa's The Enfield Expendables. That could be a good title for it, couldn't it? But uh, they are ageing. They were old fools. I noticed that somebody on the BBC's website, where they sort of put up the news on their uh, BBC One and BBC Two things, couldn't spell the word boring as they bored through. They thought it was B-O-R-I-N-G. I nearly took a picture of it to go, look, another buffoon on the BBC can't spell. It was boring, B-O-R-E-I-N-G. But there you go. Uh, the Moles Revenge put the cops on the, on the tail of them. It was a tip-off. So, in other words, I've got some information for you. Because I'm assuming there must be some sort of recompense if you dob them in. And so, guilty. But they, they, they found two million. Some of it was buried in a graveyard. Then they found something else in a graveyard. And they found other bits and pieces. They say either 
10, 12 or 20 million pounds is still missing. They're not too sure, but they'll never get to spend it, will they? Because they're all fairly ancient. I mean, Perky is 67. He's a former sweet shop owner. The sleeper was John Kenny Collins, uh, who made wreckies of the site and acted as a lookout. 75. He's got con- uh, convictions for robbery dating back to 1961. Which is amazing. Perky, uh, which is Terry Perky Perkins. I love that. It's a, it's a bit of a simpleton thing. Perky Perkins. Uh, he was um, a retired superintendent. And uh, he cheekily asked if the judges would like to join the lags for tea at Belmarsh. Uh, Danny Jones, 60, slept in his mum's dressing gown while wearing a fez. Uh, he's got convictions for robbery and burglary. They're all they're all complete and utter buffoons. The master, Brian Reader, started his life of crime, breaking into a shop aged 11 in 1950. And um, he's got loads of other things. Which you can... Billy the Fish is William Lincoln. Uh, he claimed to be selling fish on the first night of the heist. Um, apparently, Lincoln's aunt is John... Collins' his wife, so Collins trusted him with a large part of the heist lookout. He's also got convictions uh, from 75, 85. They've all got convictions. And uh, the plumber, this is uh, Hugh Doyle, uh, although he has convicted of conspiracy to conceal criminal property. So uh, he owned a workshop where the gang planned to hide the loot. You couldn't make it up, could you, really? And uh, motorcyclist Carl Wood is Carl the Bike. Uh, he's a career villain. Um, you know, he's been, you know, done over the years and all the rest of it. So, I mean, it's never somebody who's never done it before, is it? They go in there and and they do carry off an audacious uh, robbery. And then they got caught for it because somebody dobbed them in. You can never keep it secret, can you? That's why all of these people, they go, yeah, because I'm really successful. You go, no, you're not. You've got a string of convictions and they've caught you again. You're going to die in prison. You're going to die there. How's that being clever? One of them was on benefits and said that he was he was looking forward to making a bit of extra money to sort of see him into his old age and his dotage. And you think, well, it's not going to be happening, is it, really? Not going to be happening any time soon as they go down. I mean, most of them actually pleaded guilty before we kind of got there, which I thought was uh, was sort of fairly good. But funny at the same time. At the same time, I'm, sh- I'm totally convinced they will make a film about it. They made a film about Buster Edwards, didn't they? Played by Phil Collins. And that was that was quite good. Again, it sort of paints them as lovable rogues. It paints them as these old people from a different generation who, you know, that's what you did. Yeah, we went around and robbed people. It's like the old adage about the craze. They only ever robbed people who had more to lose. They, they never touched ordinary people, you know, whereas, in fact, they were a pair of violent thugs who, uh, who swung with the boys, both of them, both of them. In uh, one of them, for most of his, well, for all of his life, and the other one started doing it in prison. And at the end of the day, you think you weren't actually that successful to see. Was it Reggie Cray in his in his sort of bed where he's kind of talking like that because he was dying? And you think it's kind of no life, is it? It's not really a life. I mean, these ones that the Hatton Garden heist was sort of a bit exciting, and I suppose there'd be certain people out there going, "Yeah, I'd love to do something like that." But of course, they're now going to spend the rest of their life in prison. So there's nothing very clever about it. In fact, they should have really kept it quiet. Even these motorcycle gangs who rob these shops, they get them because they generally get one person. Once you've got one, it's like a pack of cards. You you pick up the rest of them. So uh, stitched up in 48 hours. 48 hours after it, already the police had leads on it. Already they had CCTV cameras in place. Already they managed to capture them. And, um, and as I say, the rest is... Uh, 
is history, and they will disappear into history. I'll ask you some names in a few months' time, and you won't know who they are. Huge piles of banknotes, jewellery, you know, there'll be fences out there. And the more people you involve, the more chance there is of people being caught. And so they got caught. Although the Mr Big, they say, is still out there. Don't worry. Somebody eventually will go, I can tell you exactly who he is, I can tell you where he is, and they'll find him. And if there really is 10, 12 or £20 million out there, they will eventually find it. Because they'll, you know, somebody somewhere, they'll go, wait a minute, darling. One of the wives of one of these blokes will be uh, fitted up. And they'll go, so how are you managing to afford to buy this, darling? You're on benefits. And all of a sudden it will come out and then they'll find a bit of it. They'll all be followed. If they think this is the end of it, it really isn't. They'll be looking for more accomplices and, and seeing if they can get anybody else on it. it should, I mean, it should be... I find it fairly, fairly interesting. There'll be a book out, I bet you. I bet you there will be a book out. That's, that's what will happen. Somebody will do the book. This is the definitive guide to the Hatton Garden robbery. I was always amazed that the security guard never heard drilling. Always amazed that nobody ever heard anything like that at all. Uh, another one here. And... Uh, da, 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 my mother told me and my sibling... Oh, this is obviously something that harks back to what um, uh, to what Darren was talking about. Uh, we'd been brought up, bought from mother care and could easily be exchanged for the better behaved version in store. <laughs> Who was it who used to tell a story about... He used to get a, 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 the mother used to get a friend to phone up and pretend to be a policeman and talk down the phone to him to say, we're going to come round and arrest you. And he said, and only years later did I realise that it was in fact my mum's best friend. Uh, and then Alan Rickman... Bit of a shock. We weren't expecting that. The tributes have poured in for him from Die Hard, Robin Hood, Sense and Sensibility, Love Actually, Truly Maddie, Deeply, A Little Chaos, uh, Harry Potter, of course. I mean, Alan Rickman, just, you know, really super. He was the nicest baddie that you could ever meet. And the tributes have poured in. He was hilarious, gossipy, generous. Again, just a, a nice person. There was a picture of him in the paper, one of the last pictures taken of him. And again, it's this bloody thing, cancer. It's this pain in the ass cancer, which kind of gets people. And uh, and we try and we pump money in to research. And just when we think we've beaten it, cancer learns to beat us. And so we end up with all sorts of different cancers. You know, the human body is a remarkable thing. But to be brutally frank with you, I mean, I've lost more people to cancer, and you probably know people who've died of cancer. And there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to sort of accept your fate. It's not always a death sentence. I've said that time and time again. Don't ever sort of worry about and think, you know, it's the death sentence. But I think it's, uh, it's a wake-up call that we can do all sorts of things in this world, and yet we can't cure cancer. But there again, we couldn't cure the common cold. We can't do anything else. We can't do anything. Can we? There's so many things that we cannot cure at the moment, acne, big problem for a lot of kids. Anything like that. Greasy hair. Oh, here's a shampoo. Have you been in to buy shampoo recently? I don't know what shampoo to buy anymore. I used to buy jojoba. I wasn't sure why I bought jojoba. Uh, and then I bought um, strawberry shampoo, lemon and lime shampoo. They make it sound really exciting. And then I suddenly thought, what are you doing? You've got no hair. What are you doing? And I just think it ends up being a scalp massage. I used to use Paul Mitchell shampoo, tea tree. Oh, buy me that. It used to make your hair feel like it would... It used to sort of come to life. It's all good stuff. Uh, talking of good stuff, there's good stuff in the papers. We take your texts and emails on the programme. We'll talk about jelly toss. Oh, look, Prince Harry staggering out of the bar again. He'd been out with um, Natalie Pinkham who's 37, a bit old for going to nightclubs at her age, and Astrid Harbord. 
at this Italian-themed club called Bunga Bunga. But as we all know, Harry likes the old bevy, doesn't he? He likes going out there. There's uh, more in the papers as well on the £33 million winners in this country and their daughter, who works over in Australia. Uh, She's single. She said, presumably now I'm going to meet loads and loads of people. Uh, I would imagine so, especially as your parents went public. And the world's record £1.1 billion lottery jackpot will be split between three winners. Three winners, but they've got huge tax to pay on it. You can either have it spread over a period of time. I think the tax is something like 39.4%. So, you know, contrary to what you think about how much you're going to be walking away with. Mind you, it's still good. I'm not complaining. Not complaining. Still nobody's come forward for the other 33 million. I'm still pretending it's me. I'm still dining out on that one. If it lasts. Quarter past four is the time. (laughs) Sorry, I was singing along to music there. Most unlike me. Uh, I mentioned uh, a short while ago that uh, Tara Jeffries had died. She was a, a broadcaster. In fact, she uh, she did some early shifts on LBC. I worked with her at uh, UBN. Nice thing is that Simon Marks said very sad news. She was tremendous on air. Yeah, she was actually. I can tell you some funny stories about Tara. <laughs> My favourite story about Tara Jeffries is she used to live down the road from me in Isleworth. And we worked together at the United Biscuits Network, which was up at Gillette Corner. And uh, she had relatives over in India. And her mother was a bit of a Wagnerian. And anyway, one, one Christmas, uh, they got a load of herbs and spices sent over. Stop me if you've heard this story. Sent over from India. And it was to make a nice Indian Christmas cake. Um, that's, that's the way it was described to us by, by Tara. And so she had all these little packets of things like that. And so she puts them into the mix and they make the, they make the cake. And it's all absolutely delicious and they're very happy. And and then about a few weeks later, about three or four weeks later, they get a letter from their uh, their their grandfather over in uh, India, who said, "I hope you got all the uh, the ingredients uh, for the cake. We we forgot to label your grandmother's ashes. We put a few of her ashes in a little plastic envelope. They'd only mixed them into the cake. They'd only eaten part of their grandmother." And uh, we dined out on that story for a long while. And also the other stories, and I can tell you this one now, we all went out one evening uh, for dinner. All the UBN crowd went out. We went to a a very nice restaurant called, I think it was Tandoori of Mayfair. And Tara did her own thing. She was always very much, she couldn't spell. She she said, that's the way I spell it. And so she was a useless secretary, (laughs) which is how she started. And uh, anyway, so we went on. So we we go out to this this posh restaurant in Mayfair. This is donkeys years ago. And we go with Dale Winton's mother. She turns up. Well, we'd never met Dale Winton's mother before. And so we're all sitting around the table. There must have been about 10 or 12 of us. And uh, Tara's there. And all of a sudden the door opens and there's Dale's mother, Sherry Winton. And she's swathed. I mean, all, all I remember is it was almost like somebody turned on a spotlight. And there she was, as if she was making a, an entrance at a, at a premiere. It was quite something. It was quite something. And we all went, it's Dale's mother. We'd only ever talked about her before. We never actually met her. Although I did have a couple of contretemps with her once. And, um, and so she sort of arrived and we all sort of went and sort of sat there with jaws on the table. Tara, meanwhile, the food arrives and Tara starts eating with her fingers. Because that's how her family would have done it in India. That, you know, that, that's quite normal. People don't sit there with knives and forks, I have to tell you. And so she was gathering up the meat and the rice and all the rest of it. And I remember we all looked at her and go, 
what are you doing? What are you doing? Because we didn't know. And uh, Dale's mother was terribly gracious. She just sat there and smiled sweetly. And we all sort of thought, oh, well, if she doesn't say anything, we shouldn't say anything either. So we kind of left it. But um, there are lots of stories about Tara, which, uh, which I remember to this day. But as somebody else pointed out to me earlier on, you keep reading about all these people dying and you start thinking, wait a minute, I'm getting into this category. I'm into this category. Somebody said to me the other day, how are you feeling? I said, well, I think I feel OK. I think I am. But I'm now entering, I suppose, what could loosely be called the twilight years. And so all these other people get loads of coverage. I won't get any coverage in the newspapers whatsoever. I'll just get I'll just get the news bulletins on LBC and there'll be an, an outpouring of grief and we'll have, you know, mega funeral, all that kind of stuff. But uh, always very interesting, isn't it, when you read about people. Somebody just wrote to me a second ago and said, Steve, I'm getting a little bit worried. I'm in my 60s now and all these people are sort of dying at 69. I know. I mean, it's, it's going to be a rare person who managed to get through their whole life and just die of natural causes. Because I'm, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know. Heavens above, you know. People say to me, you know, if, if you win, win the lottery, what are you going to do? I say, I'm going to go mad. Of course I'm going to go mad. I don't know how many years I've got left. Might only be a year. Might be six months. I think it's unlikely. I think the actual getting up for work in the morning. I keep saying to people, when people moan about their jobs, I say, listen, get up and do it. Because that's the purpose. That's the thing. That's the, the instrument that keeps you going. You know, arguing, getting angry about things is also quite good too. Gets the blood pumping around the system. And that's the one thing you want to keep you alive, the blood pumping around the system. Unfortunately for the old-fashioned hoods for the Hatton Garden robbery, uh, their blood didn't pump too well. Because what they didn't realise was that they were steeped in, in old-fashionedness. Whereas nowadays, we've got lots of things that can catch them out, but they weren't bright enough or intelligent enough to know exactly how they were going to get caught because they were too old and too past it. So they were sort of a lot of old boys out there. It was almost like the embarrassing robbery, wasn't it? They, they thought they would have got away with it. And then somebody dobbed them in a mole, which would be one of the girlfriends or one of the women. And the next thing is they all get arrested. But... The, the, the big mistakes that they made, and, and this, these are the crucial bits of this whole Hatton Garden story. First of all, the one thing that you never had when they were operating before was number plate recognition. There was no number plate recognition at all. Now, every single CCTV camera can home in on number plates. The police cars are all equipped with number plate recognition. You never had that before. You never had it. It was a case of, you know, if a police had said, let's face it, the police didn't even have radio. She had to go to the little blue box on the corner, pick up and dial. I mean, anybody could use them, I always thought. And so they were caught by a, a sort of combination of greed, incompetence and, and bad luck. At, uh, at, the, uh, at the actual premises where they raided, they thought they'd taken out the CCTV cameras. They'd not done their reconnaissance properly because what they actually did uh, is they actually took out two CCTV systems. But, of course, the vault had three. It had three, so they were caught there. Uh, the, um, the Mercedes van, which lookout John Kenny Collins had driven to the break-in, led police to his home. Because they saw it. They saw it outside. They got the number plate recognition. And it tells you where the vans are. I mean, everything. They were so stupid. Anyway, the worst thing is that after this uh, footage, but it did show Reader, one of the blokes, uh, wearing a very distinctive scarf, which when they went to his house, there was the scarf. I mean, all right, they probably sold a lot of those scarves, but it was all stacking up against them. Former gangster Freddie Foreman, who was jailed for nine years over the uh, Security Express raid, said, with the new technology, you can't do a big job like this in this day and age. At the end of the day, there was no violence, no weapons used. It was just a burglary. 
You've got to give them something for going out to work. Yeah, but they were thieving from other people. It's like, I'm quite sure Freddie Foreman would not like it if he came in to do an interview here. And then I go, Freddie Foreman's live in the studio. And somebody goes around and robs his house. He'd be the first one to complain. So I've been right, somebody's nicked all my stuff. Yeah, well, why not? That's what you do. So somebody's just done it to you. I'm going to find out who they are. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's, that's how it works, I'm afraid. That's how it works. So they got caught out by their incompetence. You know, they were sort of saying him, you know, one of them, they said, you need a good alarm man on every job. I mean, they really were living in the past. They really were. They were living in another world. And it was a world that had moved on. You know, they were sitting down reflecting on past glories of I could get in there. And we had, you know, Harry the safe. And he'd sort of better blow it, a bit of TNT. And, and we've seen all the films. I've seen all the British crime films about it. And it was like that. You know, trying to chase cars through London. Now you don't need to worry about chasing them. You can do it all from New Scotland Yard or any one of a number of places where they do number plate recognition. They sit there, all the operators, there'll be hundreds and hundreds of them sitting there, even as I'm sitting here now. And not just here, around the world. They can track you quite easily. And they sit there and they go, they'll be panning the cameras round, load of cars sitting on the embankment, all of a sudden it'll go ping, and they've got a number plate recognition. The computer has thrown up the number plate, and then they just direct the police on the ground to go there. That car that year, he's just turned left, he's just turned left, okay, he's parked up there, you can find him. And they go there and they get these, it's so simple. That's why there's so few of these robberies that are successful. This was a big one because it involved, it captured people's imaginations. It made it sound like it was all, it was some Hollywood film that they were doing. They drilled through and then they climbed through and they just emptied all these things out on the floor and they, they sort of piled it into their thing. A bit like the Great Train Robbery. But they either died or they, well, they certainly got caught in the end, didn't they? I, was, I remember telling you that years and years ago, uh, I used to see Buster Edwards down at Waterloo Station. He had a flower stall down there. And there's a look to, to, to burglars. I don't know what it is. I cannot explain it to you. But you look at these people and they look as though they're burglars. They look like old-fashioned crims. And Buster Edwards was down there and he was flogging his flowers and all the rest of it. And then he hanged himself because he was depressed. And I thought, that was a shame, really, because he was, you know, one of these, these people. They went out there. There's probably still people listening now who are probably in their 80s. You know, Freddie Foreman's still going. There's probably a load of others of them out there reflecting on past glory of what it used to be like when there were gangs, but now it's all changed. You know, it's all internet fraud. It's people, you know, doing the cash points, people thieving from shops. That's the kind of thing. You know, the old-fashioned burglaries went out donkeys years ago. But I should imagine, at least they'll be, get, at least they'll be warm and they get three meals a day in prison. It will be quite funny. Uh, because outside this weekend, it's going to be freezing. It's going to be so cold. Up in the Lake District, yesterday, they got, uh, they got the snow down. But, of course, everybody in the Lake District knows. I mean, I've always thought, when I look at the nice pictures of the Lake District... I always imagine smoke curling up from these places. They've got the log fires going and it's lovely and warm. And when we used to come in in Yorkshire, you get in from, from school, your feet would be freezing. Your feet were absolutely like blocks of ice. And you'd be just about ready to drop. You get in there and then you take your feet off and you waggle them in front of the fire. Do you remember that? You used to waggle your feet in front of the fire. It was lovely. It was absolutely fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. I love it. So the nation will shiver as the deep freeze sets in, the mercury, they say, is going to go down to, they've said, minus 15. Minus 15 degrees. <gasps> Good grief. Can we do it? Due to the side effects, says Junior, of my last and final session of chemo, I can't sleep, so I'm sitting channel hopping, watching utter drivel. Nothing entertaining on overnight television. Well, the only thing entertaining was the, uh, was the fact 
that um, they had this programme about the Hatton Garden thing. So that was about it. He says, so I look forward to the 4am spike. That's what we, we like being the 4am spike. I like being the 4am spike. Uh, Susan tells me that uh, after the lotto uh, drawing was concluded, more than 100 people gathered outside the Chino Hills, California 7-Eleven store because that's where they sold one of the winning tickets. And uh, and they were sort of they were all chanting and everything. Do people go there thinking that if they've sold a winning ticket, they're going to be selling another winning ticket? Doesn't kind of work like that, does it? It doesn't quite work. But it is interesting. Apparently over there, the store owner gets uh, gets some money as well. Over here, you don't get that. You don't get that. They don't they don't give them any money over here. Uh, they just sort of get the glory. Uh, I think you get a banner that goes there saying, we've actually sold a winning ticket, which I think is actually uh, quite good. Um, and uh, Balraj Singh has sent me a link to shampoo. I don't know. You see, the trouble is, I don't really... There's so many different shampoos now on the market. Which ones do you use? Which, I mean, which shampoo... Does everybody have a favourite? I think I need to change my shampoo. I'm using a medicated shampoo at the moment. Years ago, we used to use Wright's Cold Tar shampoo, and that, that, was, that was fairly popular. I quite like that. John's on uh, Nantucket, and um, he says, Oh, you need to... Uh, boring. Oh, B-O-R-I-N-G. Is it? Oh, right, thank you. He said, the BBC reporter you quoted... I didn't quote a reporter at all. I didn't quote a reporter. I quoted somebody who typed it up on there. And I thought it was B-O-R-I-N-G for boring, isn't it? But apparently B-O-R-I-N-G. So boring and boring. A boring person who typed it up and something else, which is wonderful. Uh, 84850. John in Kingston. Oh, dear, we are a bit of a girl's blouse, aren't we? And poor old John. He says, uh, wrong again and critical of the BBC. Oh, God, honestly. Still on your medication, are you, John? I'll tell you what, put you out of your misery there. There you go. Done it. <laughs> Sold that one quite simply. Oh, nothing worse than an old girl is the like you. Uh, apparently, oh, we've got to take it. Oh, late. How have I done that? How do we miss these things now? It's because we were getting a bit excited about Icebox Britain and, um, and the Hatton Garden people at the same time. So it's news time, a little bit after half past. Steve Allen on LBC. Very interesting. John Maloney, my friend who's the comedian, uh, has just tweeted something saying the ageism about the uh, Hatton Garden guys wouldn't be allowed in any other profession. I think it's justified in this case uh, because uh, they were so old-fashioned and they are career criminals. They've been doing this all their lives. And so what they're, what they're basically saying is they're going to die in prison because they're old and past it and they thieve from people. I mean, we, we'll never know exactly how much has gone missing and how much they've stashed away, presumably if they can keep quiet. But, but as, they, as they go through their life in prison, and one by one they die. Somebody's going to be getting... Somebody somewhere is going to be going, I'm going to need to tell somebody where this money is stashed because I want my, my part of it to go to somebody else because otherwise it'll come down to who, to who survives the longest in prison. And as you know, there is no love lost between criminals. Somebody somewhere will be telling them exactly where it is going. Listen, if I'm going to die in prison, I'm going to make sure nobody gets their hands on my lot, which is outside. Uh, weather, cold and frosty start today. Icy patches around. Five degrees is the high. Tonight, cloudy for a while. The odd snow flurry. That'll be nice, won't it? I quite like seeing the odd snow flurry. Not like the Lake District. They've seen the odd snow flurry. Whoosh. Loads of it. And Saturday, cold and frosty start. Generally fine with some sunshine. And Tuesday, uh, from back, uh, back from Sunday through Tuesday, widespread sharp frost and further snow showers at time during the day. I thought it was going to snow yesterday. Did you not think? I thought it was going to snow yesterday. I was totally convinced. I looked at the sky and I said, oh, God, it looks like it's going to snow. And then I thought that'd be quite nice, but just for a little while. 
Don't want to get too excited about the snow, do we? I see over in the uh, Big Brother house, I did watch, and thank you, Neil, for sending it to me. And it was the uh, it was the, the breaking down of Tiffany, a rather stupid person, quite clearly missing the vital family brain cell, where Angie um, Bowie says to her, I, I'm going to tell you something. You mustn't say anything. You know, this is on live television. I'm going to tell you something. You mustn't say anything. David's dead. And then this stupid woman, Tiffany, goes into this meltdown. No, no, no. And Darren Day turns around and goes, what's she doing now? I mean, she, these people are quite clearly, they're, they're not the full shilling, any of them, including Angie Bowie, who never was the full shilling. She was always the complete, you know, out on a limb all by her little lonesome poor soul. David's dead. Why she, why she didn't say David, my ex-husband, is dead? Because Tiffany thought it was David Guest. And and then, of course, to the to, riding to the rescue, Daniela Westbrook, who went, no, wait a minute, he can't, he's in bed, he's in there. Of course, nobody ever thought to check. And so it went on. It was just, it was so staged and it was so naff and so crass and so dreadfully boring. However, um, a Big Brother sent in security guards when angry Megan, this is some old tart who's been in X on the beach or something, like anybody cares. She's a nobody. A nobody, and she screamed and cursed during a, bu- a booze fueled tantrum, which of course is exactly what they want in the programme. That's what they want. They, they, they want people to break down. She's quite clearly an old drunk and an old soak. She's had a few of these tantrums before, and we're supposed to just go, oh, that's really funny, isn't it? As opposed to, you sad old bag. You sad old bag. I bet your parents must be sitting home and go, she's having another meltdown again, isn't she? And that's what it was. So all she does is she just gets very drunk and she becomes pathetically stupid, as indeed do most of them in there. Um, it was it was awfully, awfully bad the other day because Tiffany, the thick one, who did the... After she said, David's dead. No, no, no. And she's screaming it. And they're going, shh, don't show off, dear, OK? But uh, she stunned housemates when she said she didn't know how to use a kettle. You're not sure if these people really are as stupid as you think they are or whether they just pretend to be stupid. I'm assuming they are, actually. Uh, housemates were in she uh, others' throats the other day as sex wars erupted. Apparently, Jeremy McConnell was the first to snap as he turned on Stephanie Davis over her constant flirting. Well, she's 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 competing with everybody else in there. Nancy Delusional just wanders around with dark glasses on, looking like the bore that she is. What a dullard. Small wonder she can't find anybody at the moment. And then uh, Tiffany Pollard begged him for a fumble instead of admitting, I wanted to you the minute I saw you. And then Stephanie and Jeremy had an intimate late-night chat. He's a former Mr. Ireland. I can only assume the standard must be particularly low over there. And um, and they they were cuddling and kissing. But, of course, she's got a boyfriend on the outside. But she's got to try and make some sort of personality going, because at the moment she's the most boring person on the blooming television. In fact, anybody in the Big Brother house, they're all turned... Even John Partridge. What are these meltdowns these people are having? Don't they mix in normal company? God, I don't know, I've never seen like it. It's like having a, you know, I can't imagine why you'd be having a, a meltdown over nothing. Over nothing in particular. Nothing in particular. So now you know what the weather is. And um, it, uh, this weekend in Saudi, says David, it's, and I know you will bully me for this, but it's 25 degrees and I'm going snorkelling. Good. He said, I don't do cold. I don't do Saudi. I don't do Dubai. I don't do places. I don't want to go anywhere where it's hot. On the other hand, I don't want to do anywhere where it's really cold. I don't mind sitting there watching it through the window. I quite like that. I think that's actually quite a nice thing to do. Uh, sad news about Alan Rickman and also Celine Dion's husband, René, died at the age of 73, both to cancer. She'd been... He was her manager and um, 
and also her husband. I think at the age of 11, he was brought into manager, and then they started a relationship, obviously not at 11, just in case there's any stupid people listening who don't quite understand it. And, um, and he'd had cancer for some time, and she'd done interviews, and I love Celine Dion. I think her voice is incredible. I go back to the Eurovision Song Contest with her, which when I think she represented, might have been Luxembourg, I think. I think, was it Luxembourg or France? It was something like that. Anyway, uh, she's very good. So he actually died as well, so we lost Alan Rickman. There's got to be another one, hasn't there? There's got to be another one around the corner. I've just got this, just got this feeling that uh, it can't be just those two. Oh, incidentally, uh, incidentally, no... No winner on the National Clottery again. No, it's another rollover. So here we go for the next, you know, 50, 60 million or whatever it happens to be. So thank you, David, for telling us about just how lovely it is and going snorkelling. And just to prove it, that uh, he's sort of wearing... Is that... Is that... uh, That's Saudi, is it? Looks distinctly like Florida to me, but I suppose it could be because of the palm trees. But they've got palm trees in Florida. I know because I've been there on numerous occasions. Uh, somebody says, do not channel hop at this hour of the morning. You get all sorts of dreadful things. Two degrees in stain, says Jim the trucker. Uh, which is, you know, I mean, it's, have you noticed that it's stains on Thames now? It's not just stains. Like when I lived there, it was called stains. Now it's stains on on Thames. And um, another one here says, the only thing, says Malcolm, I have used to wash my hair is fairy liquid, washing up liquid. Used it for years. I'm 74 and still have a full head of hair. Yeah, grown on the back of what, though? Probably a yak or something like that. And Sky News showed a piece on the Hatton Garden robbers yesterday. The ex-Flying Squad officers said they were analogue robbers on a digital age. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they, they were certainly out of uh, out of kilter with it completely. They had no idea. Uh, retinted windows. I'm sorry my twin baby girls keep pulling their sunglasses off and they look daft. Yes, well, I mean, you know, shouldn't take them out in bright sunlight. I don't know where you're having bright sunlight. I mean, we haven't got any around our way at all. Perhaps you're just making it up because you think you want us to be impressed with your tinted windows, which I think is very unlikely. I'm never going to be impressed with tinted windows. Uh, The Lineker family, furious. Oh, furious. Oh, George, I'm furious. Yes, and Gary, um, he's blasted claims. You know, why can't these people just do it normally and sensibly? You know, there was a story the other day that apparently one of the papers were running, two of the papers were running, saying that uh, some members in the Lineker family were glad that he's got rid of Danielle because they didn't like her and all this kind of thing. And so they blasted, Gary has blasted, uh, claims the family were pleased to see him divorce Danielle. Uh, Gary and his oldest son, George, what a bore he turned out to be. Uh, both slammed reports that their relation, uh, their relatives were celebrating the split. George, 23... Uh, wrote, it's very untrue. We all got on very well with Daniela Bucks and it doesn't help at a hard time. It's a hard time, honestly. <laughs> there was a thing the other day. Where is it? I've got to find it because it made me laugh, actually, in the office. Wait a minute. Oh, yes. It's the front page of The Sun. I love The Sun, as you know. I love all the tabloids. And it's Cheryl Fernandez Spagbol. And here she is, looking a knockout at a London boxing gym last night, as she's seen in public for the first time since her divorce plans were revealed. (laughs) Seen in public? Get over yourself, woman. It's a divorce. You know, and then Danielle, Bucks and uh, Gary Lineker have have split, and their son George, George, um, sort of say, you know, at this difficult time. Well, it was quite amicable. They spent 400 quid on it. What are you talking difficult time? Grow up. Try not to be a complete idiot for most of your life. So now old Spagbol's been seen out, uh, seen in public for the first time. Well, has she just sort of been in the in, sort of in her bedroom with a duvet over her head or something? It's all very, very, uh, very worrying. But anyway, 
Apparently, Cheryl will be a bridesmaid at her best friend's wedding, despite... Despite her own marriage heartaches, I know. Marriage finished God knows how many years ago, but uh, we're still there, aren't we? And so last night, she put on a brave face. Oh, get over yourself. Put on a brave face. What on earth for? There's no brave face to put on. Here's a load of old uh, Millie McIntosh. She turns out to be in the Maldives, Marrakesh, uh, Amalfi Coast, Ibiza. She's a real bore, isn't she? That's the one with Professor Green. I think they're married and he just does reality shows now. I'm determined not to miss the out time. So I can now tell you the time because I'm practically spot on, barring a few seconds. Call it a five. Steve on LBC. I think it's Lorraine who is getting very panicky over um, people in their 60s who are dying and says just a few years older than me. Very scary. I know. We'll probably live to be 100 or something like that. I could just smell bacon. Why can I smell bacon? I've got this thing about bacon at the moment. 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. Celine Dion represented Switzerland. And um, in keeping with the theme, uh, Kevin the Milk, he says, um, uh, Shampoo, you said. Well, I swear by Wash and Go. The name didn't line. I found myself watching Celebrity Big Brother for the first time ever. Is this the beginning of the slippery slope? Oh, no shorts today. Two pairs of jogging bottoms. It's freezing. Freezing out, it's noticeably cold. Thick pants on today, I think, and probably if you work in the markets. Um, I think if you work in the markets, I would think you'd probably be wearing a pair of tights. That keeps your legs nice and warm, doesn't it? Uh, Diana says, you're on a roll today. I was thinking about the insurance that the victims would have had. I don't think they'd have insurance. Because then you'd have to declare exactly what was in there. And most of these people who have these, uh, these safety deposit boxes, they, they don't say what's in there. So it was, it's all secret and unrecorded. You go in there, nobody watches. You go, oh, I've just put in £10 million worth of diamonds and I've put in this and I've put in that. So you're probably right, actually, uh, that they wouldn't have insurance. I don't think they, they'd be able to get it. I don't think they'd be able to get it at all. Uh, Mary in Dartford, poor old soul, honestly. And um, uh, she says, uh, James O'Brien said you spent your time leafing through Saga magazines. Well, probably not unsimilar to you, Mary, I should imagine. It's a very old-fashioned name, isn't it, Mary? Very old name. You must be, what, in your 70s, 80s, something like that? A Sa- I didn't know Saga did a magazine, but I'm sure James O'Brien would know about these things because he is the font of all knowledge. Uh, regarding lottery lucky dips, they should be called random dips or computer dips. I don't know what's so lucky about them. Well, it's, I suppose, lucky if you win on them. And loads of people have won, Michael. Loads of people win on the... In fact, I've only ever done lucky dips because you get exactly the same numbers as if you sort of came up with, you know, your own numbers. It, it just generates randomly. But I don't know how many other people have them. I don't know whether or not other people have the same numbers that you've got, which could be a little bit worrying. Uh, it's like, put, I said before, putting the one, two, three, four, five, six. Don't bother doing that because loads of other people do it. Um, all the papers full of the uh, Hatton Garden heist, which is quite interesting. Uh, also, the man which Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about later on today, the British dad who tried to smuggle an Afghan girl into the UK. One is freedom, but he's lost his wife. Uh, Rob Laurie um, was given a suspended... I've never heard of a suspended fine. Have you heard of a suspended fine before? £750. But his wife, uh, Jane, has walked out on him with their two kids, saying she was fed up with him putting refugees first with aid runs to Calais. I still don't think... I mean, he, he was found not guilty, but you can't just go and pick up children, can you? Whether, wherever they come from. How was he going to pass her off in this country? The only reason she got caught is because they saw two other people trying to sneak into his lorry or whatever it was, and then they found her. So uh, he faced up to five years jail, but he was shown mercy. 
Convicted of a lesser charge, he said France has sent out a message that will that compassion will win. Yeah, but it's not a message to go and pick up other people's children or start bringing them back into the country, matey. That's not what they've said at all. So, uh, and if you think that, then you're, you're very sadly mistaken. You can't just go and pick up people's children and bring them back there. That's ch- I mean, who knows what sort of people could be going over there going, oh, I'll just, I'll take that one. No, you're ugly. I'll take that one. Out. You just can't do it. Just cannot do it. Um... Somebody says, uh, cold, is that the stocking market? People wear them. You ask anybody who works the markets, they'll tell you that they wear tights under their trousers. Keeps their legs warm. So one thing you do get is very, very cold. Celebrity Big Brother, says Maria, appears staged in parts, especially the uh, the uh, the Tiffany and David episode. I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, she's, a, she's is she American or something? I don't know. I don't know enough about them. I just know that you've got Nancy Delusion who wanders about in dark glasses. Champagne, darling. And you think, God, that's why they've not shown her very much, because she's boring. She's not half as boring and deluded as poor old um, uh, Bowie's ex-wife from God knows how many years ago. I I wish I'd bought tickets for the Queen's thing as well. 150 quid for her 90th do. The organiser is Peter Phillips. Supposed to be all for charity, this, but he's on a fee. And he says the sum will cover entry to Britain's biggest street party and a seat at a trestle table and a hamper. So um, her good causes will sell 9,000 tickets. The other 1,000 will go to a um, public ballot. The patron's lunch will mark Her Majesty's patronage of more than 600 charities and groups. I mean, she does more, doesn't she, appearances and more charitable things than, I think, William and Harry put together. In fact, she's just the most hard-working person ever. 150 seems quite cheap. Uh, the event on the 12th of June, it's a Sunday, was not for profit, and his firm, Sports and Entertainment Limited, was getting a set fee. I'd love to know what the set fee is. I didn't know he had a set. I didn't know he did things like that. I'm never too sure what, what certain members of the Royal Family... It'd be nice to think that maybe old Prince Andrew's sons might actually be able to do some stroke of work in their lifetime. Not think so? It'd be quite a good idea, wouldn't it? As opposed to their blooming holidays all the time. A bit bored with them. In fact, I'm very bored with them. Very, very bored with them. You're not convinced by lucky dips, are you, in the lottery? And yet you stand as much chance as anything else. Uh, Pete says the Hatton Garden robbers will be well-fed, looked after amongst their friends... I don't think so. I think they're, they're actually going to find it very, very different in prison now. The, the people that go to prison now are drug dealers, uh, people who've come over here and robbed and beaten, murdered. They're not their, their friends. I think you have to be deluded if you seriously think that, uh, that they would be amongst friends. You know, they really are the last of a dying breed. Uh, Mary says, I'm your age, 39. You lying old baggage, you're not my age at all. I can tell you live in Dartford and you're called Mary. Mary's a really old name. <laughs> 39, more like 79. And uh, thieves that stole from mostly thieves, says Steve in London. And uh, apparently Saga have their own magazine and they've got a radio station. Well, I mean, what? how patronising. I like to do a programme that aims at everybody. I couldn't care less whether you're nine or 90. Well, unless your name's Mary and you live in Dartford, in which case it's completely different. But I never think about things like that. How do you know what, how old people are? When somebody always puts their age down on something, I always go, that's funny, I didn't think you were that old. Uh, John in Eltham says, I uh, saw it here about Tara. I remember listening to her, you and then Pete Murray, back in the 1980s, uh, fond memories. Yes. Although, it's, it's, I mean, it's funny. You know, I worked with Tara for a few years, and unlike other people who go into complete meltdown when somebody dies that they've not seen for ages, like sort of Angie Bowie, you know, and then the other one melts down as well, which, I mean, was just hilarious, you know. But it's all staged, isn't it? Staged for the cameras. 
I think. <laughs> well, I'm totally convinced. When Celine Dion represented Switzerland, was that the... Uh, what song did she sing? Celine Dion. Was it... Or, no, Severine. Was Un Bonjournable en Rue. What did Sever, Severine sing? Uh, no, sorry, what did, um, what did Celine Dion sing? Super voice. What a voice. My goodness sake. I mean, that was a voice and a half. Uh, Derek says, have you, uh, have you a nice word for anybody? What for? If you want to listen to sort of those sort of programmes, you need to go listen to something else. We don't do that sort of programme. We're not sitting here waving floral dust all over you, Derek. That's a bit dreary, isn't it? If you want sort of a programme full of happiness and, uh, oh, look, some fluffy bunnies. Oh, no, 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 no. Death, doom and despondency we do, we do here. There's no point otherwise. What's the, nobody does nice stories. Nice stories do not sell newspapers. Miserable stories sell newspapers. You know, miserable stories like Cheryl's marriage splitting up. Diamond wheezers nailed by mole. I mean, it's such an old-fashioned head, like diamond wheezers, because they're oh, so old, you know. How they got through that hole in the wall, I'll never know. Jilted lover grasped up raiders to police. My God, do you think to be a contract air honour? Who knows? Uh, and then drunk people in the Big Brother house. Now we don't do good news. They tried to bring out a newspaper years ago, and I think it was the good newspaper. And it was only happy stories lasted very short time. Nobody's interested. Nobody's interested in nice stories. That's dull. You can go find nice stories. Go and read an Enid, Enid Blyton book if you want nice stories. Go and read a Barbara Cartland. You know, go and watch sort of, you know, Andy Pandy on the telly. You want that Mamby Pamby stuff. We don't do that here. We deal with reality. We deal with what's going on in the, in the world. We deal with, you know, the death, the disasters, you know, the people dying and stuff. You know, that's what we deal with. We deal with news, news stories. Happy stories of no interest to anybody, I'm afraid, unless your life is so blooming dull. In which case, we like you. We like you. Uh, the biggest street party, the Queen, Daily Mail today. All you need to know about it. Uh, presumably you'll sit down with a load of other people and we'll all go, we love her, which we do, and you'll get a hamper and it'll be put together by somebody very famous and, and I don't, you might as well sit at home with some sausage rolls, mightn't you? Might as well sit at home with sausage rolls. Um, the Hatton Garden gang convicted, police hunt Mr Big. So somebody somewhere will be the mastermind behind it because so far he's not been, uh, he's not been caught. But uh, I, I reckon that uh, he will be. Because I'm telling you now, as these people start dying in prison, they're going to make sure that their end of it... So if just supposing, hypothetically, and I forget how many there are now, so seven men, combined ages, 442. I mean, practically crawling into their cells at night, I would imagine. Perhaps they'll have to wheel them in. And, and there's 20... Just supposing, hypothetically, there is 20 million out there. Just supposing there's, there's 10 million, but let's, let's go for, for the bigger option because we don't know, and the papers don't know either, what was nicked out of all the boxes. There'll be money, there'll be jewellery. What what an 86-year-old's going to do with diamonds? I've got no idea, but anyway, that'll be quite nice. And so they've got it in there, and as they die one by one, they're going to make sure that somebody, somebody, somebody somewhere in their family knows where this stuff is to go, listen, I've got a share of this. So if I die whilst I'm in here, if the, the moment one of them gets very ill and starts teetering towards the edge, he's going to be telling family exactly where this is stashed and how they're going to get their money back. It, it, it formed the basis of a, a film years ago with Peter Sellers and his gang. And I think what they'd done is they'd broken out of prison, they'd committed a robbery, and then they buried the loot under a tree. And the whole formula for this film was them trying to find where the tree was. And where was it? Well, since they'd buried the loot under the tree, uh, the tree was standing, you know, in a, an isolated spot. 
they'd built a wall round it and a police station. So they had to sort of go back in to find out whether they'd get the money back out again. It was, it was quite a good thing, and that's what I suspect will happen here. This money is somewhere. Somebody will have it. Somebody will know exactly where it is, and they'll be making sure in prison that they get their fair share. That will be the deal. You know, we've done this. We've told them where this is, but we've still got 15 million outside, and that's going to be there for our retirement. I fear not, ladies and gentlemen. Farewell to Alan Rickman, King of the Baddies. The secret of Michael Caine's marriage, separate bathrooms. I thought separate beds would be a fairly good idea. You're going to catch a cold this weekend. The big freeze sets in. They reckon minus 15 in certain parts of the country. How much for a cup of hot water and a slice of lemon? Two quid. Two quid. I wouldn't pay it. I wouldn't pay it. Uh, Seized in a car, an air hostess. Four times the drink drive limit. It's a sad story. She was about to retire with 30 grand in redundancy. That's gone out the window straight away. And uh, the National Clottery. No winner again. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every Four minutes past five. So the Hatton Garden robbers, they're just cheeky chappies, somebody says. No, they're not. They're crooks. They're failed crooks. That's the trouble. They've spent most of their life in and out of prison, convictions for this, that and everything. So they're kind of, they're sort of doomed to failure. And it's not getting any better, is it? Secret of Michael Caine's marriage is separate bathrooms. Never thought about that one before. Farewell to Alan Rickman, king of the baddies. Move over carrots. Greens, apparently, can save your eyesight. If you're over 40, you apparently forget your PIN numbers. How many PIN numbers do we use nowadays? Um, security guard is going into the Celebrity Big Brother house. Another drunk old baggage in there. The air hostess found drunk behind the wheel of her car. And uh, lot of excitement at 1.6 billion. Very exciting. The place where they sold one of the winning tickets. People have been gathering outside like some sort of fervour is going on over there. Uh, Cheryl's back smiling. Because uh, it's just such a dreadful, dreadful, uh, you know, having to play your life out in public and sell every aspect of it. Uh, the cost of eating abroad goes down. That's good news, isn't it? Let's all go abroad and eat. Uh, the Bowie family, overwhelmed by the love and support. They've authorised nothing. They made it quite clear the other day that any, any concerts organised, they're not with their blessing. They haven't organised anything at all or endorsed anything. Uh, insurers say no payout if you've only lost one leg. The man who's still driving at 103... 100, I passed somebody the other day. They pulled out in front of me. I don't think they'd actually seen the car at all. I, d- I seriously don't think. They just have indicated, pulled out. That's what people do nowadays. They pass a driving test, indicate, pull out. The fact that you're about to crash into the car that's uh, actually on the road is neither here nor there. And I did see this person. As I, as I went past them, I took them on a dual carriageway, and I looked and I thought, oh, they were very old to be behind the wheel. It could even have been this man. Could even be, uh, be this particular man. <laughs> uh, another one here. I've never missed a draw. Read the lottery, Steve. I've been playing since it began in the 90s. Yes, two-way stretch was the Sellers film where the where the gang break out of prison and then back in again. The film where the loot ends up at the true uh, under the uh, police station was the Big Job from a year or two later with Sid James and uh, and Barbara. <coughs> there you go, which is quite nice. I like it. I like those sort of films. I like I like good black and white British films that have got a good story. You can follow them. I'm trying. To, oh, lovely. Thank you. Local. Are you taking it back? Oh, for goodness sake. Is there a milk shortage? Wait a minute. Thank you. 
I'll mark it, shall I? See, just... I'm going to put a felt-tip <laughs> pen on there, see how much milk I've used. Now, I went to get some milk out of the... I went to get my, my cup of coffee, as I do at five, and uh, opened the fridge, only to be confronted by the fact there was no milk. But, of course, I should have realised that... When I was with my friend Steve, who works for another one of our stations, uh, we shared the last bit of milk that there was in there. Have you taken the milk? Have you put it in there? You've got the... Oh, it's your cornflakes time. I knew it was some... Is it cornflakes this morning already, Breck? Sorry? It's what? <laughs> is it... Oh, crunchy nut cornflakes. Oh, they're nice. I like Jordan's. Jordan's is quite nice. That's good. Crunchy nut cornflakes, eh? I can't have that because it's got too much... It's like Frosties which are just cornflakes with sugar on, but I still like cereal. I used to like cereal as a kid, and occasionally uh, I go out and I buy one of those variety packs because it sort of takes you back to a better time. And I remember thinking, and I I like them all except Cocoa Pops. I can't stand Cocoa Pops, I really can't. Uh, Wash the kiddies' hands and save antibiotics, which is good. And the heartbreaking letter... Uh, from an England centre-forward who was on £8 a week. It's ever such a sad story. It's a really sad story, so I'll tell you all about it a little bit later on this morning. Uh, plus, I will tell you where a cup of hot water and a slice of lemon is £2. Cause I was trying to explain to a friend of mine the other day that uh, when I was in Austria some years ago, uh, the one thing I was having every morning was hot lemon. Uh, and all it was was just hot water with a little jug of lemon juice, pouring it in there. I did have, in those days, I did add some sugar because I wasn't diabetic. Well, I didn't, didn't think I was diabetic. In fact, looking back, I probably was. And every morning, really nice thing to have, a really nice thing to have is hot lemon in water. Very good as a cleanser. Very, very good as a cleanser. So if you're thinking about doing it today, go uh, out there and get some lemons. And they're very cheap. You get about four or five for a quid nowadays. And you just squeeze them. Or go and buy lemon juice in a, in a bottle and pour it into some hot water. It's delicious, delicious, and very good as a very good as a cleanser. Uh, what else do we have? Um, oh, there was uh, fury erupting at the Oscars. Uh, the Black Stars have failed to get nominations, and and I'm thinking, why do people see something where there is nothing? Presumably, there weren't any. And I don't. I just see actors as actors nowadays. It's like singers. I see singers as singers, actors as actors. Until somebody points out that you know there weren't any black nominations, and you go, yeah, but there might not have been any black actors who weren't any good this time round. I find it unbelievable, to be honest with you, that there weren't any nominations because there's been loads of people working in films. But uh, but people like to see, like to see something where there is nothing. They like to they like to get annoyed about it. And in fact. I can tell you that uh, when they were doing the red carpet the other day outside here, Leonardo DiCaprio was outside. At, I mean, he, he was asking about me, but there you go. I, mean, I said, Leo, listen, love you to pieces, love your work, always liked you. But uh, he got a bit bored with being asked about why there were no black actor nominations. And in the end, he just gave up and he decided he wasn't going to do any more interviews. Uh, Conrad Phillips uh, died the other day. He was the original William Tell on television. He was in loads of... Uh, of television and uh, and films at the time. I think the British film industry was great. Only trouble with the guys of the Hatton Garden robbery, Steve, was that they got caught. Well, they seem to have spent their entire life getting caught. In fact, they've all got history, with the exception of one, I think. And, uh, and they seem to have been caught all the way through. So they're terribly unsuccessful. They are the failures of the, of the robbery world, because nowadays it's moved on. 
You know, gone are the days of extortion, going round to somebody and going, give us 20 quid a week or we'll set fire to your premises. They don't do that anymore. People are very sophisticated. Look at all the crooks, crooks coming in from Eastern Europe. What do they do? They go equipped for shoplifting. They do massive shoplifting. They've learned how to uh, go round there, cut the tags off, because where they come from, they don't have tags. They don't even have the things to start with, so they can't believe how easy it is to thieve here. They reckon, what, one gang, million pound a year, easy. Easy. They just walk in, pick up a load of stuff, walk out the door. Nobody challenges them. Nobody does. And, uh, and then you've got the other gangs, and they go equipped to take money out of cash points. And they, uh, they watch you. Uh, those ones, which sort of... Get, and then they do the distraction. There's generally two or three of them. But again, because they've got so many CCTVs, they find these people really, really easily. It's not difficult. So the courts are absolutely clogged up with East European crooks who come over here... And they do a bit of thieving, or they do a bit of benefit fraud, and then they go back home again. And then they just fly back in again on, on cheap flights. Uh, Richie's on the way to market. He says, I was just, I'm just wondering as I'm scraping the windscreen. Well, there's no ice, is there? No ice at the moment. Certainly not down here. He said, does, does the Bentley do it automatically? It's got a very, very good clear your windscreen button. You just push it, and in a matter of seconds, the windscreen is clear. Completely. But we didn't have any ice this morning. I didn't, I didn't see any ice. Not that I was particularly looking for it, but I didn't see anything out there. Uh, front page of the Express this morning. New rules at last to curb Sharia law. We can't have different systems operating in the country. Rather having one system uh, and we're getting rid of all the other ones. Britain shivers. It's going to be too cold for the gritters. And they've also said that salt on the road doesn't make any difference at all. And it's not, is it now, because they put that horrid orange sand down. So the side of your car gets filthy and dirty. Can't be long before people start suing the council, saying, I think we need to install a car wash or something like that, because it eats into the paintwork. Terrible, horrible. Uh, Kate and Eddie leading the British bid for glory at the Oscars for Eddie Redmayne, up for Best Actor. Uh, Charlotte Rampling, I think her first, her first time, actually, Best Actress bid. Uh, Christian Bale, Kate Winslet, hoping to walk away with an... I like Kate Winslet. I know a lot of people don't like her. I like her. I think she's good. Uh, is it too cold to clear the roads, is the big question in a lot of the papers, at minus 15 degrees? And the answer is yes. And I think the only thing you can do, uh, in Birmingham, they had lots of ice on their windscreens the other day. The only thing you can do about it is put cardboard on there and, uh, and hope. But then sometimes the cardboard can freeze to it. I do see some people pouring hot water onto their windscreen. Whereas, in fact, if you get some de-icer... It's a lot easier, a lot easier to get de-icer and get one of those little scrapers. They're only like a quid or something. You'll probably find them in Poundland uh, or any of those other shops sell them as well. Uh, the Diamond Weezers facing dying in jail unless they say where they hid £10 million. Oh, somebody will cough. Believe you me, somebody will cough, whether it's John Collins or Daniel Jones, Terry Perkins, Brian the Master Reader, the brains behind the, uh, the raid. And William Lincoln and Hugh Doyle, all convicted, together with Carl Wood. And uh, as somebody said in one of the papers, they're not cuddly old men. They're villains. Former Flying Squad officer Barry Phillips says, they're not cuddly old men, they are professional villains, some with a history steeped in violent crime. Heist mastermind Brian Reader, 76, a close associate of police killer and crime baron Kenny Noy. Reader was with Noy when he hacked undercover detective John Fordham to death during a bungled police stakeout. So they're not the cuddly little people you think they are. Reader was jailed for nine years. He was part of uh, Brinksmat. And uh, another one here. Uh, in 1983, he was in a gang that raided a security express depot, beating terrified guards and dousing them in petrol. 
You know, Perkins was jailed for 22 years. John Kenny Collins, six previous convictions for theft and other convictions and offences. Daniel Jones, long criminal record, including convictions for robbery. And Carl Wood, uh, jailed after the Old Bailey heard how he planned to torture and murder a rival over a drug deal. So they're not cuddly old men. You know, they really aren't. They're not sort of cheeky chappies. They are career criminals who are failures and they're going to die in prison. But somebody somewhere will be coughing and we'll soon find out where that money's gone to because they'll all be so frightened that somebody will be trying to do away with their share of it. So they'll go, if you're going to die in prison, we can have your share of the money. And they're not going to put up with it. There's no love lost between these people. You might think it's all cosy and cuddly. Trouble is, they made the big mistake. Too many of them. Too many of them. One person should have done it. And that way, you know, nobody's going to find out about it. But uh, seven people. And then there's the associated girlfriends and moles and, you know, the lookouts and all the other bits and pieces that go along with it. And it's a case of somebody somewhere's going to squeal. And they did in this one. Still to come, seized in the car, an air hostess who staggered off a, a jet... Uh, her name's Angela Young. Um, she was just about to to stop work as well. She's about to get um, voluntary redundancy. That's gone out the window. It's 5.15. Look at the team at seven. Despite sealing £14 million worth of cash and jewels, the Hatton Garten robbers are viewed as old, lovable rogues. Should they be? Lord Coe's the right man to lead the crisis hit... IAAF, according to the author of a report that claims corruption was embedded within the organisation. Will this be Coe's toughest battle? A British aid worker avoids jail for trying to smuggle a four-year-old refugee into the UK. Legally, he might be in the wrong, but is he morally? And we speak to someone who was friends with the late Alan Rickman for 25 years. Nick of the team at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Hugo Rifkind, the Times columnist, is looking at the papers this morning. It's interesting that that, uh, that former soldier, whose wife has now walked out on him, She's had enough of it. But I don't believe, and you might think differently, and I'm sure that Nick will raise this this question a little bit later on, of somebody going into a refugee camp and then somebody, you know, says, oh, take, take my daughter. How did, you know, just supposing this this four-year-old girl with some man she doesn't know arrives in this country, what does he pass her off as? She presumably doesn't speak any English. She's four years old. And how do we know that the man who is passing her off is, in fact, her father? We don't know anything, do we? We don't know anything. He might have... Perhaps he's blind, this person. Perhaps he's blind to everything that goes on around there. And so you end up with a four-year-old girl in the country who doesn't exist anywhere. You know, there is no birth certificate, uh, no birth certificate for her. So they go to get a register at school. And they go, but, well, um, you know, who is, she, is she your daughter? Where is the mother? And he goes, I don't know. I mean, it's just that there are so many problems that go with it. It's just immense. It really is. Uh, here's the air hostess, Angela Young. She destroyed her career the night she struggled through Leeds Bradford Airport on December the 18th, then caught a shuttle bus to a car park before starting her car. The bus driver was so concerned that she was heavily intoxicated, he alerted a car park attendant. The attendant then watched her stagger to her Volvo and noticed she was slurring her words. He blocked her with his vehicle and called the police. You know, which is quite something in this day and age. A breath test showed that she was four times over the drink-drive limit. She'd been working on a flight from Amsterdam with KLM. She admitted performing an aviation function and being in charge of a vehicle whilst over the drink-drive limit. Twelve-month community order and must take a nine-month alcohol treatment course. Complete 20 rehabilitation activity days and do 40 hours unpaid work. Also banned from driving for a year. Uh, the person defending her said her drinking has now greatly increased. 
to where she now admits it's out of control and she's an alcoholic. She knows she needs help. Uh, she had destroyed her career. She'd been a hostess for 18 years with an unblemished record. He said at the moment she's suspended. As of today, she will undoubtedly be dismissed. She was uh, due to be made redundant in the very near future. And she would have received a payout in excess of £30,000. She'll now be dismissed for gross misconduct and the money will disappear. So for that, for that moment of madness... KLM declined to comment for privacy reasons. I can understand that. I mean, can you imagine? Somebody's actually on a flight and they're drunk. That's what's worrying, isn't it? I mean, I thought they're far too busy to actually drink, but she admits she's an alcoholic. And so what she's done, she's effectively screwed everything up. She'll be dismissed from her job and she's lost everything. And the advice is, if you're going to drink, you certainly don't get in a car and you certainly don't do anything at all. You know, if you want to drink, sit at home and drink. Although we've had disasters with that, haven't we? Where people have drank at home and then they've got in the car and decided to nip out and go and get some, some chicken or fish or whatever it is they, uh, they want to go and get. So she's screwed everything up completely for that moment of madness where she was drunk. I mean, thank God the car park attendant had the presence of mind. Otherwise, we'd be looking at a crash where, you know, if she could slur and she could barely see the car and all that kind of stuff. Luckily, he sort of blocked her in, so she was going nowhere. I should imagine she probably lost her temper, as most people do. Give her keys. I did it years ago. I saw somebody going over the Chiswick flyover, and uh, there was two of us, two, two, two cars, and she was weaving about all over the road. Weaving about all over the road. So we, we hemmed her in on the Chiswick flyover and uh, took away the car keys. Took away the car keys. She wasn't happy. But unfortunately, you can't have drunks like that. Because not only are they a danger to themselves, they're a danger to other people on the road. She was four times the drink limit. That's pretty serious. And that's why the uh, the magistrate came down like a ton of bricks. KLM have come down like a ton of bricks. And there'll be no money. No money at all. You know, and uh, and dismissed. In disgrace. Just for that. Just for that. Noel Edmonds is right, according to Ross Clark, political commentator in the Daily Mail. Britain is now totally full. Uh, you remember the story was yesterday that Noel Edmonds was sitting in a traffic jam and he'd actually said, this is ridiculous, we're now full in this country. And he's quite right. We are. Everywhere I go, they're building housing. Everywhere I go, they're sort of converting office blocks. Everywhere I go, they're converting old buildings. And they go, I mean, there's, there's one that they're doing down at Sunbury. It's always been a bit of a dump, Sunbury, uh, down my way. It's sort of, it's a bit naff. And they're now putting up, uh, it's an old office block, 80 flats. 80 flats, presumably, which will have a little bit of parking, and people will live there, which is great, because you're right by the motorway, you've got access to uh, to the M3, you can go straight down, and you can pick up Southampton, you can go to the airport, you can do anything, actually, on the motorway. But it's the fact that it's Sunbury, which is a bit of a bit of a naff part of the world, I'm afraid, with apologies to those people who live in uh, Sunbury. Uh, Cliff Richard will swap dry land to become a cruise ship entertainer later this year. Takes place from the 28th to the 4th of September. He naturally tops the bill which also includes the uh, Mersey Beats and what's described as an all-star Irish Mediterranean charter cruise setting off from Barcelona, taking in France, Monaco and Italy. Nice, isn't it? They do do these cruises and it's an opportunity for you to meet the celebrities and to have... And Cliff fans will love that. That's the kind of thing Cliff fans will really, really want. Really, really want. Uh, what else? Adele is in line for five Brits. That's awards, incidentally. And she'll probably get them. She'll probably get them. She's, uh, she's terribly clever. She's, uh, she knows exactly what she's doing. She knows how to mastermind her career. And uh, when somebody's that successful, I shall buy the album. I shall buy the album. I'm, I'm good like that. 
I buy into these things. Uh, the RAC are the people saying that the road salt will not work. So they reckon that if it snows on some of these frozen roads, it will cover the ice and there'll be accidents all over the place. And I will still drive down the motorway and I will still have cars whizzing past me way in excess of the speed limit. And you can't do anything about it because they think if the road looks clear and you don't see black ice... That's the whole thing about it. It just doesn't work. I mean, extreme cold can stop salt working. An extreme cold could be about minus 9 or 10. Well, if they say it's going to go to minus 15, the salt is going to make no difference at all. So it will be ineffective and uh, the roads will become like skating rinks. And it, it's very pretty to look at, but you don't want to drive in it. And when you've got some of these huge lorries... You know, and they hit a patch of black ice and they thunder down the motorways. They really do. Even though some of them have got limiters on. Not all of them have got limiters. And they'll thunder down. Then they break and then the thing jackknifes. And then you've got a major incident on the motorway. So just be careful. Diana says, will these robbers be allowed Zimmer frames and wheelchairs in prison? Are they all in the same prison or spread about the country? Now that I do not know. And I'm not sure about the Zimmer frames or wheelchairs. I think you're allowed them. I'm assuming if you're a, if you're a disabled person and you're a criminal, then um, then you'd be allowed a wheelchair. I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know. I've never actually seen lifts in prison, but I'm sure they must have something like that. Uh, Test in Bexley. He says it was thick ice when I got in my car at 4.40 this morning. Not to worry, though. Push the button and all the ice has gone. I know. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the brilliant thing about heating up now, isn't it? Uh, don't put... Uh, Hot water on frozen car windscreens because it could crack. Yes, I mean, we've all done it. I've had no end of things. I've used de-icer because that's very good. But as I say, the thing I push my button on the car and it clears it is very effective anyway. It just seems to sort of bypass all the other things. So even when you've just got in the car, up comes the, uh, the hot air. Where it comes from, I've got no idea. But I remember having a thing years ago. It looked like a key ring and it heated up. It had a little battery in it and you pushed it into the key lock and that melted the water which was in the lock, which meant that you could then use your key. But, of course, nobody uses keys on cars now, do they? I don't think anybody ever uses a key because it's all on the remote. You push the button on the remote and the door's open. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I actually put the key physically in the lock to turn it. But that's how it used to be years ago. Before people... Do you remember when people were saying, oh, of course, you'll get a reduction in your insurance if you've got a car alarm? Well, I mean, practically every car's got a car alarm. I, don't, I can't think of any cars off the top of my head that do not have a car alarm. Because when you hear them going off, you think, oh, another car alarm. There used to be, that was the indicator that somebody was pinching the car. Nowadays, people just go, it's very inconvenient, you know. Can we get the police around to disconnect this thing? Very annoying. Coming up to the uh, the news this morning, we'll take more of your texts and emails in a moment. Uh, we'll also tell you about uh, the, uh, the fury at the Oscars. The tube of sweets, which was half full of sugar. I mean, actually half full of sugar. The, the tube was filled up with sugar and then there were sweets put on the top of it. Obviously some problem within the, um, within the, uh, the packing of these things. And uh, the insurers who say no payout if you've only lost one leg. And if you fancy a lugger, you're in a minority. The time now, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. Whoopee! Resist temptation to jump up and down and shout whoopee four times because it's Friday. But it is going to be cold this weekend uh, across the whole country, they reckon. Uh, Angela watched Big Brother for the first time last night to see the hype. It is mad. Uh, all of these individuals are sadly deluded. I know that's what they're actually put in there for. 
They're actually put in there for... It's, it's like bear baiting. That's what Big Brother is now. It's for us to watch these people having a meltdown, uh, for us to listen to their pointless conversations, to us to listen to their deluded ramblings. Nobody's come up with anything interesting. They just get them drunk, and then we wait for the fallout. And we sit there watching people who we know nothing about at all. In fact, you'll probably find there's half the people in there. You don't even know who they are. Most people under the age of 30 wouldn't know who Angie Bowie was at all. And judging by how she's let herself go, they probably don't care either. Uh, Another one here. And this is from uh, Steve. No ice in Goa. Plenty of custard apples, though. Yes, I think we want pictures just to uh, to do that. You mentioned the workers on the market having to wrap up well. This time 44 years ago, says Dennis. I worked in a pub on Portobello Road. I got to know a lot of the market traders coming in for a quick half. I took a walk down memory lane a couple of weeks ago and boy, how things have changed. The markets are dead now compared to what they used to be. All the banter and shouting out. Yeah, I know people who've worked in markets for years and they will tell you markets are, are dying. They're absolutely dying because people now go to the internet People don't, they don't bother to get, you have a wander around, but to be honest with you, most people are slightly sceptical of the stuff that you buy in markets. Anyway, all of that to one side. He said, I got chatting to a lovely lady whose name I didn't get. Must be in her 80s, as she said she was the oldest trader left on the market. This is at Portobello Road. A little further down, I recognised the face. It was Lenny. I remembered Lenny well from all those years. He's 79 and still going strong. No intention of retiring. They both trade off their original barrows. And I love those, but mind you, they are hard work to push. So a good morning to all the Portobello traders. Steve, you never know. They could be listening in as their early risers. Thank you, Dennis. He's, uh, he's in Banbridge. He's over, he's over the water in Ireland. I remember going to Portobello Road some years ago. And what was the other one that I quite liked? Petticoat Lane. That was another one. That, I remember the stall selling sarsaparilla. I never knew what it was. I just thought it was something that appeared in cowboy films. And it was the first place I got ripped off. Petticoat Lane. First place I got ripped off because I stupidly got caught up in one of these mock auctions on the on the street, actually on a actually on a stall where he was asking people to bid for something, and I bid a fiver for a watch that was probably worth about about ten pence. So I I always then warned people off these things. If it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Uh, Rosebridge says hello from a snow covered Belfast. I'm wondering, is it too early at 5am to go out to the garden and make snow angels? Snow angels? I've never heard of people making snow angels, but I'm quite impressed by it. Oh, no, it's never too early. Never too early. And uh, I do get annoyed, says Gabrielle, when old lags get life for stealing 14 million, yet bankers steal billions from people and get away with it. Plus their bonuses on top of huge salaries. Yes, that's well, that's the way it works, isn't it? Some people do it legally and some people do it illegally and uh, and that that's why i think uh, the cruise cliff is doing we consider doing one of those says noreen there are several lined up but decided on more local shows instead one cruise is in australia no snow here yet dread it she's out in uh, st albans as you all know and i saw the big brother clip of when the woman thought the wrong david died courtesy of neil no idea who most of them were Quite right, actually. Most people didn't know. They have to say, oh, this is somebody from X on the beach. And you look at it, you just think, no, you're just an old drunk baggage. That's all you are. You're the sort of person propping out the bar. Uh, and a bit like that. But only this one's violent with it. So uh, I don't know what you do. They send people in. But of course, you know, they know what they're like. They know what all these people are like. That's why they're booked for the programme. They're booked for the programme because they're deliberately looking to cause some confrontation. We were told that Gemma Collins was, you know, I'm feisty and I'm this. Unfortunately, she's not. This this poor, deluded whale with legs on and a head is, is no more confrontational than, I don't know, Winnie the Pooh. 
or Andy Pandy, or Tigger, or Eeyore. Uh, many years ago, I followed an obviously drunk driver, and when he stopped, I opened the door, challenged him, and took away his car keys. I then rang the police. By the time they'd arrived, he managed to do a runner. What, drunk? A drunk runner? Can't have got very far, could he? But the police said that, strictly speaking, the driver could do me for aggravated theft. I think unlikely, of course. Unlikely. When he turns up sober, because it'd be difficult to prove he'd been drunk. No, it's not difficult at all. Stays in the system for about 24 hours, doesn't it? Shouldn't be difficult at all. But also, he can't have been that drunk if he did a runner. Of course, I mean, it's ever occurred to you, you might have pinched the car. Makes it marginally more interesting. No, no, all these people you get, it's, it's not too difficult. Apparently, if a person has a disability, says Iceman, they're normally placed on the ground floor and the cell's a disability one, but I'm not sure about these open prisons. Well, I don't think they'll be putting them in open prisons, will they? They're far too old for things like that. They'd have to put them into uh, a lock-up. I didn't know they had sort of like, you know, special... Special cells for people who... I don't know. They're, they're disabled, so they can't go anywhere. At the moment, they're not disabled. They're all perfectly fit. But whether or not, once they're inside, they start going downhill, I don't know. I'll have to wait and find out, won't we? Uh, the almost impossible National Lottery has once more failed to find a jackpot winner. Punters groaned, here we go again, as the 2.7 million top lotto prize went begging on Wednesday. Remember years ago, it was £10 million. Now it's come down to 2.7. goes to prove that, uh, you know, less and less people are doing the National Lottery. But when you do win it, that's the exciting bit. That's the bit where you go, well, it was worth it. I wonder if the people who actually win big on the lottery carry on playing it. Or, or they go, right, that's it, we've actually won. Let's not bother uh, playing the lottery anymore. I don't know how I would feel about that. If I if I won the thirty three million and somebody's going to come forward this this weekend, uh, Brooklyn Beckham uh, has posted a picture of a child with a gun on Instagram and was hit by an angry internet backlash from his fans. He's got fans, has he? How sad! The photo of a baseball cap wearing street boy tucking a handgun into his jacket as a pal looks on appeared as his dad uh, was being honoured with an award by UNICEF. Brooklyn's only comment was to credit late US news photo, uh, photographer Mary Ellen Mark for capturing the iconic image. But the 16-year-old came under fire from outraged fans in a barrage of comments telling him to take it down. One Instagram user wrote, Not cool, love you Brooklyn, but this is sad. Uh, another messaged the teen, Tut tut Brooklyn, your dad will tell you off for posting it. Yes, I mean, I, d- I don't know actually whether or not... I mean, he's... Uh, Listen, just because he's 16 and he's one of the Beckham's children doesn't make him intelligent. It really doesn't. He managed to get time off school the other day to go to a a Burberry thing, which was okay. Uh, Big Brother fave, a Steph in the right direction. Somebody is on T-side, reckon that uh, Stephanie could win Celebrity Big Brother. I don't think so. I think it's highly unlikely that she'll go anywhere near it. Uh, The tributes pour in for Alan Rickman. Everybody appearing to love Alan Rickman. The Brits going for... Oscar glory, and if you thought you were going to see any more of Aidan Turner's torso, it's under wraps until the autumn. Apparently you ladies like a little bit of topless going on on these uh, programmes that you're watching on the television. Nobody's ever asked me to go topless. I don't want to go there. Uh, And um, The Wadfather, Britain's biggest burglary governor behind the £14 million heist, the £150 million Wadfather. And this is Mr. Mr. Reader, not a very pleasant person. Not a very pleasant person at all. And uh, they reckon he's been involved in a string of audacious heists worth more than £150 million. And what's he got? Nothing to show for it, apart from another prison cell. 
you know, not not the brightest pennies in the box. And the, the big fault was, as all the papers have pointed out, they weren't aware that modern technology would defeat them. The number plate recognition, the CCTV cameras, all little tiny things, all put together by the, by the detectives. And they managed to, to catch them based on that. So they couldn't actually say they weren't there at the time because they found out that they were there at the time. They were just a little bit old-fashioned. The Mirror got this CCTV footage showing these responsible people. It's a 17-minute film showing the gang use wheelie bins to move their tools into the vault and bring the hall back out again. It showed them making two separate visits and working relentlessly through two nights to break into the underground. I mean, it could have been, I suppose, the perfect crime had one of them not upset the girlfriend because she was the one who's gone, I'm telling you who's in on it. So they obviously told everybody, which was their um, their big mistake. Uh, the ghost is uh, an expert on these uh, alarm systems and he disabled the complicated alarm system. You'd think by now they would have come up with something that was absolutely foolproof so these, these break-ins would never happen. But of course... They're never likely to know exactly how much money was in there because nobody declares it. You can't get insurance for things like that. That's what they put it in there for, money. People are squirrelling away. They're putting away jewellery, diamonds, anything, Rolex watches. Who was it the other day? Wasn't it Prince Andrew uh, got a little bit uh, iffy at the airport? He turns up at the airport and he couldn't find his Rolex watch. So he sort of emptied everything onto the floor. And uh, and then magically found it a little bit later. So that's nice, isn't it? Nice to know that Andrew's really working so hard for the country and that his daughters are such a shining example. There again, look at the mother flogging food mixers over to the Americans. All very worrying. No rift. Uh, we as a family always really liked Danielle. Um, and so it was a six-year marriage. So they've got a picture of Danielle Gary. He's the... Uh, well, they all look the same, don't they? They've all got the sticky-out ears. But uh, he blasted claims that the family didn't get on. He tweeted, we all got on very well with her and this doesn't help at a hard time. And as I pointed out at the beginning of the programme, what hard time? It was completely by mutual decision they decided to split. What hard time is it? What hard time? You went on holiday with your mummy and that was good, wasn't it? So there you go. No hard time at all. These people are such drama queens, aren't they? They make sort of mountain out of a molehill. It's two people split up. And, and that was it. And they did it cheaply. Obviously not willing to go to the lawyers. Whether or not she claims money, I don't know. They're also questioning old Cheryl and her um, her sort of split up as well from her marriage, which lasted all of about that. <laughs> that was an exaggeration. It might have been that. And uh, they say, you know, is it the end of it? Who knows? Let's wait and see what he comes back with. He might be taking her to court and might be going for something really, really big. Still to come, the heartbreaking letter of an England centre forward who was on £8 a week. And um, and he wrote to Dickie Attenborough. Why? Because he didn't have any money. He was on £8 a week and he was a, he was a big star. He was a Chelsea, Everton and Arsenal centre forward. He scored 22 goals in 23 games for his country, but a cap on what clubs could pay meant he was not able to cash in like today's players. So whereas some people uh, like Rooney uh, can pick up two, three hundred thousand pound a week easy. uh, The top weekly rate for footballers in 1901 was four pounds. But that was quite a bit. It was five times the average working wage, which was 17 and sixpence. By 1939, it went to eight pounds, double the usual industrial wage. And in 1960, when the wage cap was dropped, football stars were on 20 pounds. That's five pounds more than the working man. In 61, Johnny Haynes became the first 100 pound a week player. Premier League average now is about 44,000 a week, which is about 2.29 million a year, compared with the regular worker 
26,500. Wayne Rooney is the Premiership's highest paid ace on £260,000 a week. <gasps> wow. It's good, isn't it? But, I mean, that's what people do. Like somebody said to me, you know, how much do radio presenters get paid? I said, I wish I knew. Quarter to six is the time. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time. It's Friday, start of the weekend, start of freezing cold again. And here is this heartbreaking letter. It's a sad letter, actually. One of England's greatest football aces was forced to send a letter to a film star friend after his career finished. Chelsea, Everton and Arsenal centre-forward Tommy Lawton scored 22 goals in 23 games for his country, but a cap on what clubs could pay meant he was not able to cash in like today's players. When he made his debut for Burnley in 1935, the top weekly wage was £8. By the time he retired with Arsenal in 1955, it was still only £15. Tommy, who died aged 77 in 1996, wound up jobless. In 1970, he wrote to his friend and Chelsea director Richard Attenborough, this is a sad letter for me to write, Dicky. Could you let me have a loan of £250 to be repaid in the course of one year? Please, Dicky, please help. Adding, don't think too badly of me. Isn't that absolutely awful? Anyway, days later, a very distressed Attenborough, who died in 2014, wrote back with a £100 cheque. Uh, they met when the actor trained with Chelsea for his role in the film Brighton Rock. Uh, the letters will be auctioned next month. Isn't that sad? That's sad that somebody has to to write like that to somebody like Dickie Attenborough saying, please, Dickie, please help, adding, don't think too badly of me. You know, because they didn't earn the money. And when you look at what they earn nowadays, the obscene amounts that footballers earn, and you've got people out there in the same business who, because of the cap that was on everybody's wages, he never earned more than £15 a week. Admittedly, you know, £15 was £15. But at the time he came to uh, retire... Um, he died jobless. He had no, no job. What do you do with an ex-footballer when they retire? Uh, not, not like today, where if they've got any sense, they'll have put their money into things so that when they do come to retire, uh, they either become pundits uh, and they've got money in the bank or they've just got money in the bank. And that's, that's fine, actually. I, I wonder really, you know, whether or not Tommy Lawton's family... I don't know wh- who owns the letters. I don't know whether they're owned by, by Dickie's family or whether they're owned by Tommy's family. I don't know. But, uh, you know, to say, could you let me have a loan of £250? I can remember actually writing a very similar letter, not actually writing it, but asking somebody who, I, who I'd known, not for very long, but a, a little while, and I had no money. No money at all. I was earning, I think, 20 quid a night, and uh, I just couldn't survive in London, and I needed money. And I asked this, uh, this person I knew, I said, it, would, would it be possible to lend me £100? And uh, and he thought about it and he went, I'll have to get something drawn up with a solicitor. And I remember thinking, wow, this 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 sounds quite heavy. This sounds quite heavy. So may, maybe I don't want the hundred pounds. And as luck uh, would have it, things actually turned out quite well. But at the time, I remember thinking, God, I'm going to get embroiled in a solicitor's letter and that's going to that's going to happen. You know, and, you know, and I didn't want to get involved in it. I thought it's only a hundred pounds. Which actually, when you look in terms of today, it's not exactly a huge amount of money. But to me, in those days, it was a heck of a lot of money. I didn't have it, and uh, and I needed it to survive. But actually, I ended up uh, surviving okay. When I think of actually what I've just uh, had, you know, over the years, and what little you survived on. Small wonder nobody ever put on any weight. 
All we ever had was fish and chip shops. We never had anything else at all. Uh, Steve, if more people on the lotto won smaller prizes, like fifty to £5,000, more people would play. I've never won more than £10 at once in 20 years. I stopped playing when the prize doubled. I could talk for hours about how much a fix I think it is. Well, it's not a fix. It's not a fix. They've just made the odds difficult. It's not a fix. It's absolutely, totally legal and above board. You might as well go and put your money in a casino. Go and play in a casino. Go and play roulette in a casino. You probably stand just as much chance of winning. I think the odds are obviously greater. But whether you can win that sort of money. I mean, could you go in a casino and seriously win £33 million? No, you couldn't. Could you go to Vegas and win a million dollars? Yes, of course you can. They have million dollar fruit machines over there in most of the casinos. But whether or not you get paid out. I think there was some that didn't somebody do it once. And the casino didn't pay out because it turned out that the lady's son who was 16, I think, or 18, pulled the handle. And they went, no, we've actually got him... Because she went, oh, God, we've won. We won a million dollars. It was one of those big machines. And um, and they said, no, we're not paying you out because your son pulled that handle. And she said, yeah, he was pulling it for me. She went, well, I'm sorry, that invalidates the claim. It's not that they don't want to pay out. It's just that you've got to follow the laws. And they're very funny in Vegas about people going in casinos. They didn't know that he was the age he was at the time because they'd been thrown out. You can't even stand there watching people if you're a young person. They don't want you on the on the casino floor. So whether or not 50 to 5... I mean, would it be worth playing the lottery if the prize was between 50 and £5,000? Not really. That's why more people play. That's why they were selling 400 tickets a second. Still, 400 tickets a second so that people would stand the chance of winning 60 million. That's what people want. They want the light. If, if they then say, all right, we're actually going to change. Not going to be 60 million, but you can win 60 pounds today. Might as well play that on spoof. Much easier. Much, much easier. Um, another one here. Uh, when was it legal to steal, which you said of the bankers? Well, it's all legal. It's all legal. Bankers moving things around and trying to make the best for themselves. You have to appreciate the fact these people are in business. It's business. You know, if you're a thief, and they used to say a common thief, because it was mainly, you know, you were, if it was something not that, we used to have a programme on the telly called Raffles, which was a, a society thief who used to go to all the, uh, all the right sort of parties and would thieve. Actually, there's a very good um, film called, I think, Make Mine Mink with Hattie Jakes and a few other well-known characters. And uh, her group went around and they stole from... Uh, well-heeled parties. They got jobs as waitresses and things like that, serving the drinks and the canapes, and what they were stealing was fur coats. And they would throw them out the window, somebody would collect them, bundle them into a car and drive off, and then people would go, where have our coats gone? They'd go, in those days, people used to wear fur coats. Now you don't have that. Now you don't have that. <laughs> it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't go any more, you know, than, uh, than people doing it. But crime is much more sophisticated. Internet crime is the big thing, isn't it? People who you know, get hacked or they get convinced to send money or they send these begging letters. Years ago, before computers, you never had that. You never had somebody in Nigeria writing to you saying, you know, I mean, I got one the other day, which I thought was quite funny. It's just, you get one at random. It's not in particular to you. It could be to anybody or millions of people, I suspect, saying, I'm stuck in Madrid airport. I really need some money. I need to get home as soon as possible. I know you're the only one that can help me. And you think, I don't know who you are. And so, of course, I'd just ignore them, which is the best thing to do, or just delete them from the system so they don't come back again. But those used to get a lot of, please help, please help, because I'm stuck here. They've impounded, you know, my money, and I just need £250. Could you wire it to me? And you think, do people fall for that? And the answer is, yes, they do. Yes, they do. There was one little dog, which was, I think, uh, it came up on the internet. You can check it out on Google. And it was apparently owned by some missionaries who were in Africa. Of course, they weren't in Africa and they weren't missionaries and they claimed that they had to come back and their little dog 
They wanted to bring the little dog back. So, of course, it appealed to animal lovers. And so you go, oh, little dog. And they put a photograph up of the little dog. And, uh, and they said, we just need $250 or whatever it was. And, of course, people sent money. And, of course, there was no dog. There was no missionary. And once you've sent the money, you're kind of, that's it. You know, it's, it's not like they've sort of held a gun to your head and made you pay. You've fallen for an old scam. And people fall for scams all the time. It's very easy to fall for these scams because they're very believable. I like to think now that I'm well above things like that. If I think something is remotely dodgy, then I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Uh, somebody else talking about uh, football and the crowds diminishing like the markets before too long, says Tony. I don't know. People like going to football, don't they? I've never been to a football match in my life. In my entire life, I've never been to a football match. I've never been to a rugby match either. I'm not sure I want to go. Not because I'm not particularly interested in football. I just don't like the idea of crowds and pushing and shoving and things like that. I've been to a couple of concerts, and that was just about bearable. But crowds and Steve Allen do not get on at all. And uh, Patrick says, my wife had a major stroke this week. The ambulance arrived within three minutes. Now in a specialised Stoke unit. And uh, all the staff are fantastic. They are. That's what they do. I've watched... Is this programme on the telly... Is it called 24 Hours in A&E? That's very interesting. I like that. Is that filmed in a hospital round from your house? It's in Tooting, is it? Oh, right. I love it because I'm, I'm, I'm now taking bets on whether or not the people they're filming make it to the end of the programme or whether they die. They had a woman this week and I thought, oh, Lord. And then they had the daughters talking about whether, you know, this and that. And they, they almost were talking about her in, in, uh, in third party. I remember thinking, oh, God, I hope she's alive. Because people obviously allow themselves to be fit. It's amazing. They had a couple of, uh, of brothers in there. They were twins. And uh, they'd been, one of them, his throat was closing up. And so what did this idiot do? He went outside and was smoking. And they said, you know, do you smoke? Oh, yeah, not very often. And then the moment the doctor went out, he said, oh, can I make a phone call? I went, yeah, just out there. And he went out and he was having a cigarette. And I thought, people like you don't deserve to be treated on the NHS. You're quite clearly a complete and utter idiot. Uh, still to come, the news at six o'clock this morning. Uh, all you've got to do is wash kiddies' hands and you save on antibiotics. I like the idea of a man still driving at 103. What his um, observational skills are like, I've got no idea. Sounds slightly worrying, doesn't it? The biggest ever street party for the Queen. Who's looking after it? Member of the family, keeping it in the family. You're going to catch a cold this weekend as the big freeze sets in. And for a cup of hot water and a slice of lemon, two pounds, apparently. I will find uh, more on the story by everybody over the age of 40 forgets pin numbers. And farewell to Alan Rickman, the king of the baddies. Uh, 69, born in 1946. That's two people, 69 years old. If you're heading up in that way, try and, try and have a nice weekend. And the Hatton Garden gang going down. But they say about 12 to 15 million still missing, I wonder. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. You can feel it's getting colder, can't you, as it sort of bites into you. You wait till you walk outside this morning. If you've not actually been out there, you're going to be in for a shock. And they reckon over the weekend, down to minus, could be 15 in some areas, which means that the council salting the roads will make no difference at all as salt is ineffective if it gets any colder than about minus uh, 9 or 10 degrees. As the Hatton Garden gang go down, they reckon about 20 million, depending on which paper you read, is still missing. Somebody's going to squeal. The first person 
squeal to get them into prison. Alan Rickman, the king of the baddies, dies at the age of 69, much missed by everybody, and lots of nice things said about him in the paper. And a cup of hot water and a slice of lemon, two pounds. And uh, why, if you're over 40, you can't remember your pin number? I remember my pin pin numbers, and I'm not one of those people who uses the same pin number. Some people say, I'll use the same pin number for everything. I am not one of those people. Uh, Friends reunited. I must be the only person in the entire country who never liked Friends on television. Oh, two of us. Thank God for that. The producer the same. I used to watch it uh, on odd occasion, and I just got annoyed. I used to think, these people, they're way too old to be all living together in the same flat. You know, I mean, how many... We never saw the bathroom... I'm assuming that there must have been at least three bathrooms there to deal with them. Uh, we never saw anybody actually cooking, but we did see them eating. It was all a little bit... It was a little bit cosy. And I didn't like it. And yet I liked most of the cast members away from it. I just didn't like uh, Friends. But they're going to be reunited because the producer apparently is retired. And so they're all going to get together. And they've all said yes. Normally somebody goes, oh, I don't want to reunite with that. But obviously they had a good time and they made some money. So they're all going to get back together again. It's good, isn't it? Over in America, they're celebrating the 1.6 billion or whatever it happens to be. And um, and they said, well, you can it's split between three people, which is OK. But then by the time you've taken the money and then you take the uh, the tax off, you know, as it's uh, it's just under, I think, 40 percent tax. I think it's 39.4 percent tax they charge you uh, on it. And so you're going to lose a substantial amount. I mean, that's nearly 50 percent. That's nearly, you know, 40%, 50%. It's a, it's a lot of money, isn't it, to come off for doing nothing. But, I mean, better than nothing. Who the heck's complaining? Who the heck is complaining? The secret of Michael Caine's marriage, he says, separate bathrooms. Uh, the Queen, separate bedrooms and separate bathrooms. And probably separate houses if she had uh, her way. Uh, National Clottery. No winner again. It's another rollover at 2.7 million. Hardly worth bothering, is it? We've just had uh, two people winning... 33 million. I hope the other one comes forward. That'd be quite nice because they will tell you when they come forward and then they'll they'll say they've opted for no no publicity. What's the betting? Somebody comes forward and they opt for no publicity. What's the betting? Uh, the tube of sweets full of sugar, half full of sugar. It was a tube of sweets. It wasn't just that the sweets are full of sugar. There was actually sugar in the tube and then the sweets on the top of it. It was all a little bit disturbing. Uh, Gary Lineker blasting the fallout rumour. Uh, George Lineker, sorry, I mean, as if anybody cares, about uh, Gary, Dad's divorce from model. Apparently, we're re- we really liked Danielle, and apparently she's still going to be instrumental in their lives. Can't imagine what she can possibly offer to them, but um, she wants to be part of it. Uh, they had a quickie, cheap divorce. I think the word is cheap, and I think that was about 400 quid, so they didn't waste time with lawyers. Whether she goes for some of his money, I don't know. I've got no idea. Not up to me. Couldn't care less. People's marriage splits up. That's their business. Uh, lot of excitement at the uh, at the win, and they've got the Seven Eleven shop, and they've got the people there going. Yeah, because apparently somebody said uh, the the shop can make some money out of it. They actually get some money. Uh, how much for making the sale? A million dollars. The shop gets a million dollars for making the sale. Wow, that's good, isn't it? I'm quite pleased about that. Over here, you get nothing get nothing at all. And the uh, only daughter of the recent UK lotto winner said she'd been in a dream world after hearing the news and admitted she is single. And she's flying back to the UK. This is Lisa Martin, flying back first class from Melbourne. She thinks so too if your parents got 33 million. Uh, I'm, you're fly- I'm flying back first class, Dad. No, you're not. You're flying back economy. We're not wasting money. It's only 33 million. Gun in hand. The terror strolling through the streets yesterday. And, um... This is uh, 
an Islamic State killer. They've quite clearly got some sort of sick illness, haven't they? And this one's strolling along. He's got a handgun firing indiscriminately. Uh, this is in Indonesia. This is the first ISIS attack over there because it's the world's most uh, populous Muslim country. And then the group released a statement online saying the attacks were carried out by soldiers of the um, of ISIS and they targeted citizens of the Crusader Coalition. They're quite clear. They've got screws loose, haven't they? I mean, you know, this man should have been brought down immediately. They've all been arrested. There were three of them. I believe um, there was a three-hour battle on the on the streets. Ridiculous. Paul McKenna talking about shining like a celeb. If you download my interview with Paul McKenna when he came in a couple of weeks ago, The Secret of Star's Charisma and How to Get It. People like Ellen DeGeneres, Sir Michael Caine, Russell Brand, Simon Cowell, David Beckham and Sir Roger Moore. And they're all people who you would look up to. Well, except Russell Brand. I wouldn't waste any time or breath on Russell Brand at all. Uh, David Beckham, not really that bothered. He's so he learned to kick a football around and he married a stick insect. That's, you know, and the rest is history. Roger Moore, because I just think he's fun. Uh, Simon Cowell, because I think he's terribly clever and he knows how to make lots of money. But then, you know, once you've started making lots of money, that kind of begats the next bit of money. So money breeds money, unless you're really stupid. And Simon Cowell is not really stupid. Uh, Sir Michael Caine, I bet he's been quite canny with his money over the years. And Ellen DeGeneres, because she just does a chat show on the television. And one part of it, and you can find them all on YouTube, is where they bring a family on. And she does something nice. It's a bit like Surprise, Surprise, but done on her chat show. And, uh, and she does it very well. It's very touching. So she'll have a couple on there or she'll she'll sort of bring somebody on and she'll say, I was out at this place the other night and you were my waitress, weren't you? And she said, yes, I was. And, you know, I've had a hard time because I'm going to lose my job and I have to I need a car for it. And then magically a car appears. (laughs) Ellen DeGeneres. You know, it it is a bit like surprise, surprise, where they sort of help people out. And uh, sometimes it'll be a forces family. And they go, you know, it's like a nice present for Christmas. And the doors open and there's there's dad who's come back from serving overseas. And it's nice things like that. It's a very gentle chat show. There's no sort of, it's not hard hitting. It's just, it's just nice conversation. People like doing it. And the audience seem to love her to pieces. And she does well. And she's got that, that likability factor that comes through the television. It doesn't work for everybody. That's why some chat shows die. They don't work at all. But in Ellen DeGeneres' case, she's got that, I don't know what it is, that je ne sais quoi, that one thing that makes somebody stand out when they do a chat show that means that their personality comes through the television. It's like probably doing it on the radio, I should imagine. God, he said blowing his own trumpet. But it is, it's, it's like that. Because if, if you weren't successful, you wouldn't be working. Uh, Amy's gone, but not forgotten. It's very interesting, that film that uh, her father didn't like is doing very, very well indeed. And now she's been nominated for a Brit Award. You know, it's five years since she died. Five years since she... I mean, good Lord, where's the time gone? And uh, they say uh, she will go up against Adele in the Best Female category as the soundtrack to the documentary film Amy has made her eligible. This is the film that the father didn't like, mainly because he didn't get portrayed in a very good light. So, of course, he didn't like it at all. Um... What was this other thing? I was trying to find this other story, and I've lost the blooming thing. Oh, I found the, the oldest driver, who's 103. His name is uh, Giovanni. He's a, I hate to say it, it's going to sound really awful. He's a retired ice cream seller. Being Italian, I would think that ice cream and Italians go very much hand in hand. Uh, he's a granddad of four. His name is Giovanni Rosso. He's been driving for more than eight decades, decades and he's got no plan to stop. 
He's an ex-train driver and a milkman. He says he's never damaged another vehicle and his only moving traffic offences have been two speeding ones. He said, I had one parking fine in my ice cream van because of a rival seller. And his UK licence is clean because the... uh, the uh, the two-year-old speed fines and valid until 2018. He said, my eyesight is good, I'm fit, and I feel confident. That good. I mean, there's no upper limit to holding a driving licence in this country. Did you know that? And 230 Brits, over 100, have one. They're among 4.4 4. 4 million drivers, over 70, at which age the licence holders have to reapply every three years. Like me, I have to apply every three years for my licence. I fill in a form, I send it off, and then they send me back the licence, because I'm a, I'm a fit for... I'm not over 70, incidentally, before you go down that route. It's for medical reasons. Isn't it interesting, though, that two people in the same studio both dislike friends? Funny. I don't know why. I never understood why people got excited about it. Oh, you don't, oh now he's backtracking. Now he's backtracking. Oh, I don't dislike it. A minute ago, they disliked it. It's av- Well, I thought it was average, too. I didn't understand the coffee shop, and they were just irritating. I mean, you'd have pushed... I'm not getting excited about the reunion either. We don't get excited about anything round here. Seriously, we don't. Satsuma Day we get excited about, but that's about it. Yay, yay for Satsumas. Or failing that crunchy nut cornflakes. We get a bit excited about crunchy nut cornflakes. But, you know, Satsumas to the Aussie producer. Do they laugh? Oh, they call them mandarins, do they? Oh, God, honestly. Aussie producers give me strength. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20. Uh, a couple of stories which uh, I omitted to mention earlier on, so let's uh, let's tie up the loose end, shall we? Uh, the dominatrix, uh, the nasty piece of work, who is Sarah Smith. So she works as a dominatrix. OK, this is basically somebody who gets paid for humiliating people. And uh, this one was really a nasty piece of work. She's just been found guilty in the court and... Um, uh, she cried, she screamed as she left court because she's a horrible person. There's no humanity left. She decided that she wanted to expose his submissive sexual lifestyle. Now, the whole idea, if you're one of these people who operates the dominatrix, is that people go to you because they require a service and they pay you for it. And uh, you're supposed to keep your big mouth shut. In the case of Sarah Smith, she went round, she did all sorts of things. She damaged his car, sent explicit photographs of him engaging in uh, sadomasochism. I can't even say it now, sadomasochistic acts to his family. Uh, she talked about it all the time. She's a really nasty piece of work. I'm glad she cried in court. I'm surprised she wasn't sent to prison. She's got a restraining order on. She's got to carry out 250 hours of community service. And uh, she had her son by her side. Oh, good. That's my classy mother, the dominatrix. Anyway, found guilty, named and shamed. I don't know whether she thought she was going to get away with it. I mean, seriously. The moment I heard about the case, I thought, you're not going to get away with that one. What a horrible piece of work she is. Horrible piece of work. She sent photographs to his ex-wife and brother, showing him in a tug of war in which his appendage was attached to somebody else's appendage and so it goes on what a horrible piece she said she thought she had a duty to tell people about it what were you operating as a dominatrix for then dear i wonder if she's done it before horrible michael kane's 43 year marriage the secret apart from love and holding hands and all that kind of stuff and uh, separate bathrooms which i think to be honest with you I'm, I'm kind of going for that one and here's the the story of a customer who ordered hot water and a slice of lemon in a cafe in York, was unimpressed to be charged £2. She was so unhappy, she went public by posting a review on TripAdvisor under the name Hannah C., describing Bennett's Cafe and Bistro as absolutely awful and calling the waiter rude. 
Her outpouring prompted the owner to hit back on the review website with the defence of his cafe, in which he explained in extraordinary details how the price is arrived at. Mike Fisher began by addressing Hannah and telling her he was sorry she felt she'd been ripped off. He went on, I'll try to explain why you weren't. The cost of running the cafe close to York Minster, taking into account all the overheads and the waiter's wages, was £40 an hour or 67p a minute. He added that once VAT was taken into account, the cost of the drink rises between £1.60 and £2.40. So he concluded his reply with, I accept it makes the price of a cuppa in a city centre cafe look expensive compared to the one that you make at home, but unfortunately that's the cruel reality. It's actually the facilities that cost the money far more than the ingredients. Anyway, uh, the rudeness that you perceived was triggered by the disrespect that I perceived in you by your presumption that you could use our facilities and be waited on for free. He's quite right. He's quite right. You're not necessarily paying for the ingredients. You're paying for the fact you're sitting down at a table and, you know, whilst you're sitting there with a cup of hot water and a piece of lemon, wasting everybody's time. So anyway, uh, she was charged £2 and she said... um, she was said by him yesterday to have stormed off in a huff after he tried to explain. In her one-star review beginning, this place is absolutely awful, she said she visited the cafe for afternoon tea with friends. She was on a tight budget. Well, stay at home then. Silly person. Honestly. I'm on a tight budget. Too, but I'm not paying her. Well, stay at home. I'd love to see who she is. I'd love to see. He's, he's run this place for five years. Uh, some back the customer. Most people seem to, uh, to back him. And he's quite right. She says here, uh, it's definitely not £2. He went on to wrongly inform me that a pot of tea for one, which is what I was charged for, is the same price as a lemon. And to show just how ridiculous this is, she's a right old moaning Mary, this one, isn't she? Oh, you don't want her anywhere near your establishment. She said, my friend ordered a slice of chocolate cake, which was pound ninety. Dreadful place, she says. Well, don't go there. You don't want miserable old customers like you. I'd love to find out who she is. I wonder if by tomorrow the papers will have found her. The woman who goes out, I'm on a budget. Well, don't go out then, dear. Stay in if you're going to moan about things. Oh, blimey. And carrots. Carrots. Used to be carrots. Want to see better? Carrots, apparently. Uh, Now not. Green. Spinach. Kale. Lettuce. Those three awful things. Kale is all right and spinach is probably very good for you. But lettuce is the most boring thing under the sun. How can you get excited over lettuce? But it's glaucoma. It's glaucoma that people sort of say uh, is the thing that affects a lot of people. Four types. 500,000 Brits. And so they've said, eat. My friend Phil Vickery will know all about this. He's not your friend. He's my friend. And uh, he would know about kale. And, uh, well, spinach is very good for you, isn't it? They do fresh spinach or bag spinach and stuff like that. And you'd be delighted to know that apparently I might be having some uh, white beetroot. White beetroot. I'm quite. This is on Phil Vickery's recommendation. This is. If this thing doesn't work, we're all in big trouble. So, blooming. What do you mean, blooming Phil Vickery? Do you know you really are awful? Do you? And you're so miserable this morning. Is it because you know you only got three Ferrero Rocher chocolate? Is that what it is? Is this what it all comes down to? Oh, blum! It's like being married. I d- I did offer more. I said, would you like another Ferrero Rocher? Because he likes, he likes luxury chocolates. And, um, and so he sort of, he sneered. He sneered, if you please. He sort of, oh, no. Don't, don't. I'm thinking, oh, that's right. Blame me. Blame me. It's always my fault. Always my fault. Uh, Phil Vickery says, find her, find her. Yeah, I want to know who this person is. Whom, uh, can't you just imagine who, what, 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 what she looks like and who she is? So she goes out 
And she all, she complains about the cake. She complains about everything. She doesn't understand that when you have a cafe or a restaurant, you're not necessarily paying for the ingredients. I mean, she's quite clearly in a cup of water with some lemon in it. That's two pence. What's he going to charge her? Twelve pence and she sits at the table. The water would have cost, you know, practically nothing and a slice of lemon. All oh, right, old moaning Mary. I reckon we'll have her name very shortly. One of her friends, she went out with friends. I'd be very dubious of whether or not she's actually got friends, but I'd like to find out if one of them is prepared to go to the papers tomorrow because I reckon somebody's going to somebody's going to sell her down the line, don't you reckon? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a known given with the online community that uh, famous people die three at a time, says Chris. Well, it's not just famous people. Everybody dies three at a time. You always get, they always say that, don't they? They say, you know, sort of, you know, somebody's died, there'll be somebody tomorrow and somebody the day after. And he said, we've had three people, Lemmy, Bowie, and Rickman. No, we had more than that. Celine Dion's husband, uh, all the other people who are nameless have died as well. And uh, and then, of course, who was the other one? Uh, Ed Stupot, Stuart, he died as well. So quite a number of people have died. It's only the beginning of the year. You watch this cold snap this weekend, unless you put your thermal knickers on. It's going to be a disaster. Amicable split, Cheryl, says Jan Moyer. We'll see. We'll see. Yes, I mean, I, I also am looking forward to seeing exactly how that one's going to pan out. I've got no more time. I've just realised. We managed to get through all the stories in the papers this morning that I hoped we were going to get through. So thank you for, uh, for that. Uh, I think we did it. Let me just have a quick check on my list and find out. We had a lot of excitement, yeah. Wash Kitty's hands, Lenica Fury, security guards uh, ret- re- restraining some old baggage who's been in a NAF programme that nobody's ever seen. Uh, Kate and Eddie leading the British bid for glory at the Oscars. Fingers crossed for that one. Um, the Bowie family overwhelmed by your love and support. Uh, and now Alan Rickman's family as well. There's nice things said about him in the paper. He was, you know, a man of such talent, wicked charm and stunning screen and stage presence. So, uh, much missed. Alan Rickman died the other day. Born 1947. Makes him 69. I'm going to be back with you tomorrow morning with the best of Steve Allen. Between five and seven, I sneak in just before the breakfast show with Andrew Pearce. So I hope you can join me tomorrow morning. If you're up early, then uh, make sure you make the switch to LBC. And don't forget, you can download. We'll have a free podcast for you up in around about uh, 15 minutes. And that involves, I'm afraid, we have to mention some of your least favourite celebrities. I know you don't want me to. I know you don't want me to. I know you say, Steve, could we have some nice political stories on your free podcast? And I'm afraid the answer comes back. Not a cat in Hades chance. It's going to be the celebrities. And uh, just looking at the first one off today, it's uh, Celebrity Big Brother erupting into violence and racism. Oh, dear. We'll find out more on that very, very shortly. So thank you uh, for this week. Don't forget to download and podcast if you haven't podcasted before. It's very simple. We get a free free podcast, and that's very, very easy to do. But I'd love you to podcast the rest of the programme. I'll also be here on Sunday morning between 5 and 6 for In Conversation. And uh, then I'm live between six and eight. I wish you a pleasant weekend. Wrap up warm. Wrap up very, very warm. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, Nick Ferrari. But right now, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 